0: This episode of the My Mike and I podcast is brought to you by Podcorn. Are you a podcast host out there but need an advertisement for your show or looking for someone to sponsor the show but don't know where to look? I could tell you from personal experience back when I first started, I was just emailing companies and brands with my personal email, just trying to reach out to them to get people to sponsor the show. It doesn't really work that way though. Trust me, I've been there, done that. But however, I did come across Podcorn, and Podcorn is a great website that is a marketplace for podcast hosts like myself as well as companies i want to sponsor on podcasts and there's all kinds of different podcasting sponsorship opportunities from pre-rolls like to this one to mid-rolls topical discussions interview segments and much much more really easy to use too you look through their dashboard see if any podcast sponsorship opportunities match up with their podcast you click on them find what they're about send a proposal and boom next thing you have to do is record the advertisement just like this one submit it to them and then boom you're good to go podcorn also make sure to that you get properly compensated there's no exclusive contracts you don't have to give up anything or any rights to your podcast as well it's fairly simple to use I think I already mentioned that but I really want to stress that too so what you're waiting for click the Podcorn link down in my show notes and get started on looking for sponsorship opportunities for your podcast today What's going on everybody this is Noah Alvarez and you are tuned into another episode of the Mike and I podcast. Would you look at that episode 103 we're past the century mark we are going full steam ahead coronavirus ain't stopping nothing we're doing all these interviews over zoom I'm starting to get the hang of it starting to get a hang of the zoom structure and you know you don't always get the best audio quality sound but it is better than nothing. It is better than doing something over the phone, like I have done over the past too. So I do like the Zoom, although I wish there was something better. So we'll see if something uh, gets created in the next couple of weeks that we uh, switch the platform on. Nonetheless, I like to remind you guys that you can listen to this podcast on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, practically every podcast listening platform, and we're also on YouTube. Uh, be, we're also on YouTube too. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just look at my name, Noah Alvarez, for those of you who can't spell, N-O-A-H-A-L-B-A-R-E-Z. Um, pretty simple. You can also find some other videos that I've been doing there for my personal YouTube channel. I have a another broadcast demo reel coming out in the near future too, so be on the lookout for that. Also, as always, I want to thank Generic Sports for producing the instrumental playing in the background. Um, I was Kind of bouncing around between different instrumentals, switching up the intro from time to time. But I think I'm just gonna go with this one intro because this is my favorite beat that generic sports produced. And so I'm just gonna roll with this one for the rest of my mic and unless unless he makes something better. Where I'm just like, whoa, I gotta change it. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna roll with this intro instrumental beat. Let me know what you guys think about it. You can follow me on Instagram at my period Mike and period I or on Twitter at underscore Noel Alvarez and also big thanks to Vince Correa for designing the my Mike and I logo that you are seeing in our screen we also plan on having some merch coming out later this year as well as just you know he helps a lot too with the, the interaction and the what would you say, the uh, designs and the graphics that go into the My Mike and I Instagram page that I mentioned earlier, at my period Mike and period I. So definitely go give that page a follow if you are on the Instagram platform. Now, before we get into this week's show, I also want to shout out really quick, you the listener. And I also want to shout out everybody that's out there pursuing their dreams. I know I know this pandemic can, can kind of be a little bit of a weary time, right? We're a little bit unsure about what's going to happen next. But shout out to the people that are continuing to put in work. For their hobbies, for their side hustles, for their passions, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube channel, uh, you know your art doesn't matter. I, I appreciate you guys, I applaud you guys, and keep doing what you are doing. Pursue your career. Remember to always chase your dreams. Don't chase checks, and you will live a much happier life. Now we're gonna get into this week's episode a relatively long one but it's cool because it's a double feature first time we're doing a double feature on my Mike and i podcast actually i don't know if it's the first time but you know how they used to do double features and for those older people who used to go to the drive-ins and whatnot you know how they used to do double features at a movie very similar we're gonna do that structure on this podcast so for the first part of this double feature my mic and i podcast episode 103 i'll be chatting with an old kssu friend alec romero and we basically catch up but also talk about the last dance documentary that's going on on espn shout out to 30 for 30 also we talk about sports in general what it could look like in, a, in the near future um, and yeah we just talk about different things obviously sports our lives without sports during the pandemic two big sports guys talking about that and then we go into this is a special one too i'm gonna do a little drum roll. For the first time on the Mike and I podcast, I bring on three former athletes of mine, athletes that I coached um, in middle school, youth flag football, Padilla, Jalen, and Joseph. I was very fortunate to have them on the show. And we you know we basically caught up, too. talked a lot about the NFL draft, Roger Cadell, And so a super fun conversation. That's the second part of the conversation. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to play you that first part of the double feature with myself and Alan. So, obviously, last dance. It's a different type of documentary, right? No sports are going on in this world. But how did how have you react to the first four episodes of Last Dance documentary?
1: You know, it's uh, really brought everything that we need right now. Uh, there's no live sports. We had the NFL draft. Uh, we've had WWE. We've had UFC. No fans, but that just hasn't gotten it. Like this, is, you know. Like I'm in full preparation i went to buffalo wild wings today uh got some wings for this you know treating it as if you know we're in the middle of the playoffs right now uh, but it's been great you know the, each episode has just left us on a cliffhanger it's like oh what's gonna happen next and uh I, I was actually listening to colin cowherd earlier in the week and he was saying you know since he has so many connections over at espn still since he used to work there yeah. Um, that the episodes are going to get more and more intense and, you know, it's going to be like more and more crazy uh, every week, especially he said like parts like uh, seven and eight are going to be uh, the most intense. So, you know, I, th- this definitely brought a lot more. I think they're getting a little bit more in depth and uh, I think there's a lot of stuff in that 97, 98 season that, you know, we didn't know about and a lot of more stuff's going to come out and this is going to be like the OJ documentary it starts off slow parts three and four, you know, when the Oscar, Uh, I think, the I think they won the Oscar and it's going to be one of the best 30 for 30s we have.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's the thing too, when it, this is being treated like almost like a live event, like if this was the Super Bowl or the World Series or NBA Finals, just because there is no sports. And and just to reiterate that point, I mean, people are reacting to it on Twitter, but it's, it's weird to me because at least like for a live sporting event, that's the first time it's happened. Like when Ray Allen hit that shot, it was like, that hadn't been done before, but this is all stuff that is in history and i I could say like you know for sure our parents got to live through this we were pretty young i know you were you were 93 or 94
1: 94 december 94
0: okay so yeah so we were both like four or five when this all happened so we were too young to remember it but our parents older cousins uncles aunts they kind of got to live through this and see this so it but it is cool like the one thing i love about the 30 for 30 documentaries is it gives us a good portrayal of what happened in the past because obviously we couldn't live through it and it's one thing to watch like you know You know, 10 highlight videos of Larry Bird and maybe like two full games and be like, oh, this is my idea of Larry Bird. But it's another thing to watch, you know, 10 years of Larry Bird or 10 years of Michael Jordan. So it's cool that they're able to condense it for us as much as they can and give us a a pretty good picture about it, you know?
1: Exactly, and you—you know—I'll I'll be sitting around with my dad's friends, and you know they'll talk about you know the the Pistons bad boys, the uh, the Miami Notre Dame matchups, and all those you know great '80s matchups. And I'll join the discussion with them, and they're like, "Wait a minute, you—you you weren't born? What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "That's the beauty of 30 for 30s. You know, it's nothing like you mentioned. It's not like we were we, we were watching this live. We weren't there." But you know, to see the replays, you know, to, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen unless you've done some research or you watch some, you know, replays or something like that. Like I, did, I'm learning tonight that the Bulls lost to the Pistons four straight years. I thought it was once or twice, but they lost to them. No, no, no. Uh, excuse me, they lost to them three straight years in uh, 87, uh, 88, 89, and 90.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in 91, they came back. And you know, just you know, what's motivating is that you know, after 89 or I'm sorry, 90, you know, they got stronger the day after they got eliminated. They didn't, they didn't go on vacation. And in 91, that's, you know, when they beat the Pistons for the first time, beat the Lakers, and went on to win the first championship.
0: Yeah, and what's cool about this documentary, too, I think you see of a lot of how Jordan's story lines up with LeBron's story, right? The first few years, you know, special players, you know, changing the league, scoring titles, but they can't win the playoffs. And I think, you know, for Jordan, obviously, it was the Pistons. You just mentioned it. And for LeBron, it was the Celtics. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, it was cool that it was, like, a team collaborative effort. And it was, like, as soon as they lost that last time, it was like, all right, we're going to go to work. Like, there's no vacation versus LeBron, who just, you know, decided to go to Miami. And, you know, the thing against that. Like, but I, I just think when you compare them head-to-head, that's always going to – Jordan's always going to have that point in the argument is that he didn't leave a team, he – was like, hey, let's get better, guys, and let's work towards this goal versus LeBron. Like, oh, I'm going to jump to a different team, and now we can beat the Celtics and, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. It's a different mindset they had back then and definitely a different physicality of basketball. I was watching uh, with my fiance, Chelsea, and she was just, you know, astonished. Like, how were they allowed to fight back then? It's like like they were playing hockey. It was crazy. I would love to see that back in the game, back in the game nowadays, you know, Oh yeah. You, you go down the lane and then someone just slightly taps you. It's a foul, mm-hmm. but you know, these, you know, you were going to the bad, if you're going down the lane, you know, Bill and beer or Dennis Rodman, were not going to let you get off easy. You were going to get hacked and you were going to come out, you know, I think Scotty or not Scotty, uh, Dennis Rodman said like, I want to break your nose. I want to get my nose broken. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get banged up. And that's just, that's what made the NBA great back then.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's truly a different style of basketball. The one thing I will say, though, it wasn't always I – mean, so, at least for me, first point I want to get to is Phil Jackson. You hear a guy, he wins 11 championship NBA titles, NBA finals, and coached two different great players, Jordan and Kobe. And I, I always thought, hey, he's this hard-nosed guy. You know, he's like, like Popovich, right, really stern. But he's actually very laid back. And I think episode or part four of the documentary did a really good – job of portraying that where he's almost more of a hippie closer to bill walton than he is the Popoviches and the bill belichick's you know
1: exactly and um his portrayal of his first years when you know, he was saying like oh he's on acid or something like yeah. that one of his teammates. <laughs> like, and then you, you see them you see you see him in the car and he's just like you know having a good time you know it, that's not what you you would picture like you know like you mentioned a greg popovich or even um bill belichick you know they were just like stern guys all their life but you know, phil jackson you know lived his best life and got his opportunity and 11 time champion
0: mm-hmm. and i will say too after watching episode three the part that highlighted dennis Raman, man i hope to be as good as at my job whatever it is in the future to where i could just hey ask my boss i need 48 hours to recoup go to vegas or go, go wherever i need to maybe for me it's probably like you know camping somewhere in like colorado but like just 40 give me 48 hours not even and you're still gonna pay me and and i'll just jump right back into the mix of things you know
1: exactly and uh, that was one of the uh, the trailers they used when this documentary was getting promoted back um in 2018. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if Dennis Rodman just took off and no one heard of him. Like, no, he actually said, like, I need some time off. I'm going to go to Las Vegas. And Michael Jordan said he's not coming back in time. And I, <laughs> that, was the, that was the funniest part. Like, they had to go to, to Las Vegas, get him. And then he's growing up in his, you know, pajama bottoms, a T-shirt. Right. And then Michael Jordan has just a look of disgust on his face. But what was even more amazing is that, um, you know, they were saying, like, oh, run slow we need to get Dennis Rodman back in his shape. But yet he was the one like running fast the day after he got back. He, and that was portrayed in his 30 for 30 that, you know, he was able to go out late than that before, not get any sleep. Mm-hmm. And he would show up and he'd have the most energy out of anybody, uh, you know, on par with Michael Jordan. I mean, he, I was just a, he's a different figure. And, you know, as you mentioned, I, I'd love to have something like that, you know, be good and a bunch of energy.
0: Right. No. Yeah. It's like one of those freakish freak, freak of nature kind of things because, the fact that he could be so committed to the party life and then still the next morning, the next day, be very committed to basketball. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you played high school sports too. And just sports at different levels. You meet those guys who, you know, they'll party the night before. And then obviously the day of the game, they're hung over and they're just not the same and they don't take it as serious. Robin wasn't one of those guys. And I think that's cool that Jackson and Jordan both understood that. And they're like, Hey, we're going to let you do your thing because we can trust you. You're going to come back to the game and you're going to be hundred percent focused,
1: you know? Exactly, and that's what made the that Bulls team special. You had a little bit of everything, um, putting in that team. But now this uh, this thirty for thirty has you know definitely uh, lived up to the expectations. And uh, you know, now Sunday at six o'clock, you know just all of us sports fans, we're there. You know we're ready for to sit down for two hours uninterrupted live content at ESPN.
0: Yeah, it's brought a new meaning to Sunday Funday, right?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So I did want to ask you, too, because I was thinking about it with some friends, and I actually wrote an article, too, recently. Other sports documentaries we need that, you know, they can go very in-depth. Did you have anything that come into mind when, you know, 20 years from now and we're have our kids and we're like, you know, they're asking about a certain athlete. But, you know, hey, let's watch this documentary about so-and-so because this really portrays the picture.
1: You you know, uh, to stay in basketball, we're going to need one on Kobe Bryant. We're going to need one on LeBron James. Um, but, you know, going to uh, baseball, I think, uh, you know, the steroid era is going to be important. You know, just uh, that article that you sent over to me kind of got my mind thinking, I'm like, what stories are, are am I going to want the next generation to see? So I think definitely the steroid era um, for the NFL, um, you know, what the concussion, you know, had an impact on sports. You know, we've kind of seen some – uh, like I think that movie uh, with Will Smith, it's I can't have it. You know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Yeah, it's, I think it's called concussion. Exactly, yeah,
1: concussion. And uh, you know, we had the junior say out thirty for thirty, but I think that's going to be important to talk about um we're probably gonna have another this was the xfl um and in you know in the time we're living right now we're gonna have a 30 for 30 on how sports were halted right now Mm -hmm. because you know just as i've been saying you know i've been asked my whole life and i'm sure you have like what if there's no more sports one day what are you gonna do and i've always said it's not gonna happen like we're always gonna have sports like you know this is this is decades and centuries of tradition here we are so i think that story is going to be important to tell
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I think with the XFL thing, they could probably throw in the AAF and just be like, you know, hey, both these football leagues flopped. And I also think, too, it would be important to talk about uh, Derek Rose, for one, because I mentioned in the article, but just, you know, to reiterate that point, because I, I thought Derek Rose was honestly on his way to be one of those top five, at least top ten all-time point guards in those first three, four years. I mean, he was just so explosive. I always thought Russell Westbrook had a similar game, but he was a little bit more erratic, right? Rose was more like a polished version of Westbrook and at least of recent, whether it's on Twitter, or on Instagram, I see a lot of people kind of, you know, they have polls and like comparing so-so guards now to Derrick Rose. And I'm just like, yo, you guys don't know who Derrick Rose is like that's, and that, that was only 10, 12 years ago when he first
1: came into the league. Exactly. And I remember, like, that 2009 series, the Celtics and the Bulls, where the Celtics were coming off uh, the championship in 2008. And that series went to seven games. I think one, a game four of that series went to quadruple overtime. And Derek Rose won Rookie of the Year. And then 2010, he starts to rise up. 2011, he wins MVP. 2012, they lose. And I think they got upset by the Philadelphia 76ers that year. I think that was right before the Trust the Process era. So, you know, even – Who knows? We could see another documentary, of The Bulls, in a couple of years.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you're right. Going back to the pandemic thing of COVID-19, I know you as a Laker fan had to be feeling really good about the Lakers and their hopes this year to win NBA Finals. But that's the thing is like if we're not able to continue the playoffs and conclude the 2019-2020 season, it's going to be like that what-if season. Whether it's the Lakers, Clippers, I'm sure there's a lot of Toronto fans that want to feel like they can defend their title. Milwaukee, too, in the Greek freak. Uh, Boston even had an outside chance. Denver, all those little teams, too, in the Western Conference that were competing for those three, four, five seeds. You know, all those teams probably felt like they had a good shot. And, you know, I think this league was – this year was a little bit more wide open, obviously, with, you know, the Cavaliers obviously falling with LeBron and Kyrie both leaving. Also, you had the Warriors with Curry. And Klay Thompson injured most of the season. Kevin Durant just left. So this was like a pretty wide open sea- season compared to
1: the last few years. It was. And I think you hit it right on the spot. You know, we didn't have the Warriors this year. The West was wide open. The East was wide open. And you know, we were just coming off the Lakers playing the Bucks on Friday night on ESPN. I remember watching that game. And we won. And then on Sunday, the Lakers played the Clippers. We beat them again. And I said, oh, man, we are, we're catching fire at the right time. And then, unfortunately, the season gets suspended uh, that Thursday, I think it was, or that Wednesday, yeah, that Wednesday night. Um, and it actually happened here in Sacramento. They were saying like this could be the last NBA game for a while. And I remember tuning in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it. You know, who cares who's playing right now? It was the it was actually Zion playing the Kings? Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, they called it. And, and you know, fortunately, the rest is history. Who knows when we're coming back?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and to me, at least, and I'll ask you your point of view, too, but just it happened so fast. They canceled the NBA season, obviously, after Rudy Gobert was announced that he had COVID-19. That weekend, that same weekend, I was supposed to go to spring training with some friends, you know, have a good time there, watch some baseball. But that Thursday, they canceled spring training, and everything followed. Pro days were canceled. They still managed to have the draft, which I thought was really cool. But as far as everything else, sports-wise, NHL season, canceled then you saw slowly the international leagues too for soccer those were starting to get canceled and it it just really I guess how was your initial reaction to the NBA and then first first the NBA getting canceled and then every other sport following
1: Well, as you know, like I do work in uh, professional sports, the Sac Republic, uh, repping the gear right now, everywhere I go. Um, And we were having meetings about it uh, weeks prior saying like, hey, like this is happening because we have such a great relationship with UC Davis Medical Center here in Sacramento, which is uh, one of the best hospitals um, in the nation. Um, So they were saying like, hey, like this could get bad. Uh, You guys might get in the spot where you're going to postpone our season. And um, that even a week before we had our opening night and they and we were saying like, hey, like we're going to have the game. And in my head, I'm like, we're not going to not going to stop the season. Sports aren't going to stop like that's not going to happen. And so I was in complete in denial. And then when it really hit me, it was that Wednesday uh, where the NCAA tournament announced they were going to play without fans. And I was at my desk and I put my head down and I said, now the bricks are going to start to fall. Mm -hmm. Now, I I knew the NBA was going to act fast. And then unfortunately, when Rudy Gobert came down with COVID-19, that's when everything kind of shifted over. And they were still talking about playing the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Uh, It it took them two days to say like, hey, we're not going to play this. But I, I knew it was over. Um, I knew they were saying a month. I knew it was going to be longer than a month. And and NBA facilities, they are apparently going to start opening on May 1st, but it's going to be a state-by-state scenario when teams can start practicing again.
0: Yeah. And it's, man, I, I, as soon as the NCA, I guess like the NCA was a big landmark for me too, because the March Madness is such a big moneymaker, right? And so, you know, and you know how corrupt the NCAA is and they're going to try and get any game out there that they can. So the fact that when they said, we're not doing this this year. I was like, Oh snap. Like th- that, I guess that to me too, left like a bitty, pretty big landmark on, on myself. It's just like, wow, as a fan, as a sports fan, you know, the NCAA is going to try and make anything happen because it's a big profit for them. You know, they were trying to even do like a best, instead of 64 teams, then cut it down to 16 or even eight teams. So, you know, just narrow just to try and get something out there. And you know, everything just happens so fast. Give me your best case scenario and worst case scenario for the conclusion of sports, like whether it's, well, I believe the NCAA, they're already canceling the rest of their season, but for NBA, NHL, and some other sports that were continu- that were in the middle of their season
1: right now. Well, with the NHL, I think they're going to go with the method of choosing four arenas in states that um, aren't too as affected with COVID-19. And they're going to have all four divisions uh, stay in this bubble and go to the arena and come back um, and not go anywhere else. There's going to be no fans, and I think the NBA is going to adapt this model. Um, and then I think baseball is going to eventually run with the uh, Florida, Arizona. I think they had Texas in there as well as a mm-hmm. scenario. Um, so I think for those three sports, uh, including baseball, I don't, I don't see a scenario where we're going to have fans. Uh, football, uh, you know, they keep talking about like, hey, we're going to play college football, we're going to play NFL with fans, but. I think you saw Notre Dame come out uh, two weeks ago and they said, if we're not having classes, we're not going to play games. Mm -hmm. And if they're already setting the precedent, other schools are going to follow. So, you know, I've heard various reports. I'm not one who likes to watch the news. I I find the news depressing and I'm not, I'm I'm not going to get into my political views on your show, but I I, I don't watch any newscasts. You know, I, I just listen to facts and I said, Hey, when this ends and they sit and they have the stay at home orders Uh, lifted, that's when I'm like, okay, how can we continue with sports? Mm -hmm. So it's, there's so many different scenarios, but I think that's what's, I think that's, what's going to happen. I see football uh, not playing with fans. Unfortunately, I just don't see how they're going to do this about vaccine. And even in my business, working in the USL and partnering with the MLS um, we have a bunch of our ticket holders saying like, Hey, even if you guys do allow fans to come back, like a lot of people aren't going to want to come back. A lot of people are going to be scared. So yeah. there's that scenario as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I know for a fact, too, when they first open the gates, whether it's at Angel Stadium or at, uh, to the Rams at the Coliseum, I for sure is going to give like at least a three-month grace period because unless we're all vaccinated, unless there's like 100%, nobody has it anymore. But even then, we could still be carrying it and not have any symptoms and then pass it on to our grandparents or to elderly people at the stadiums. And, we're, you know, I was talking about with some friends, stadiums are not the cleanest of places, right? especially football, fourth quarter, you know, you go to the bathrooms. I'm sure people aren't even – it, it's just mind-blowing to me thinking back on it. I remember being a kid going to football games, baseball games, and you see people, like, go to the restroom and not even wash their hands before they rush back to their seat because it's a good game or something like that. So, you know, I think for me, I'm going to try and stay as – I'm going to still watch sports, but I'm not going to be there live in person. Even if tickets are super cheap, I just – for me, it's going to be hard to trust. But I think also, too – for at least like NBA, MLB, NHL, it gets to a certain point. If you keep pushing further and further back, let's say they do are able to continue the NBA playoffs in August. But how does that affect the, the next season, right? In MLB, same thing. You know, I was talking about it with my friends on a, a podcast that I produced for a friend. If they want to do 162-game season still for the MLB, I feel like that's really unrealistic. Because if you start anytime time after June, let's say you start July 1st or on the 4th of July, you're going to go all the way into December and potentially even January. Spring training pitchers report, uh, or I think, early February, right, And other players start coming in February. So, obviously, there would have to be some grace period. I'm just interested to see – I'm trying to be an optimistic too, but I think almost it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the following season, right, because I think, yes, they can finish the NBA Finals, but at what cost to the 2021 22, 2022 NBA season and, and same thing for the MLB and same thing for the NHL. Exactly.
1: Um, and I hope we're not in that scenario. You know, I, I, you know, what we gotta, you know, have faith in, you know, our scientists, our doctors that they're going to find a vaccine and, you know, hopefully by 2021, you know, we can look back on this time and say like, Hey, you know, that was a rough period, but now we're back and we have fans in attendance, but, stadiums are going to have to change. There's going to be, there's definitely going to have to be a little bit more, as you mentioned, a little bit more of a cleaner protocol. Um, and, you know, people are high-fiving each other all the time. Like that, you know, you have 40,000 people in a stadium. Like that's not, you know, very ideal coming out of a virus that has completely taken over our country. So, mm-hmm. you know, this year, I think, I think it's going to be tough uh, as you mentioned, but I think, uh, you know, by 2021, you know, if, if there is a vaccine, we're going to have fans in the crowd again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's going to change the, the, the landscape of sports, but it's going to change, you know, the landscape of everything right now.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I think it goes beyond the country. I mean, they canceled the Olympics this summer and I think, you know, it'll change how the world is as far as just in bigger, larger places, because I think it's going to make, it, it's weird. Cause I, I, my mom was a big clean freak growing up. So I feel like more people after all this is going to be more of a clean freak, I guess, because of the pandemic and people are going to take, more serious, not just by washing your hands, but I feel like everywhere, everywhere you go, hand sanitizer, right? They might I was thinking like, you know, go to a baseball game or a football game and they might even give you a hand like sanitizer bottle as you walk into the stadium just so it's like more convenient. Because I think I don't know, I guess it's tough because the COVID nineteen is something you don't see. And like I said earlier, not everyone may have it and show symptoms, but some of us could be carriers. And if we go if we do go back twenty twenty one, I would hate to see a small outbreak again once we return to fandom or fans returning back to stadiums and you see a little outbreak because, you know, people are being unclean and people were carrying it, but
1: not uh, having symptoms. Yeah, uh, definitely. A lot of uh, scenarios up in the air, but we hope for the best, you know, we, you know, we, I uh, think, uh, you know, you've always been one to keep a positive attitude as long as I've known you. And uh, I think that's how I myself, you know, we, we can, uh, sit back like, ah, oh, there's no sports, and um, I th- think you, you have me on Instagram, and I was in Buffalo Wild Wings today, and wow. I, took a, I took a video of, you know, all empty screens, and I was like, ah, oh, man, but I'm like, no, I can't think like that, you, you, you know, it's like, they'll be back one day, this is for the best, you know, this is bigger than sports, and, you know, we'll, we'll get through this time. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there any place you really crave, whether it's sports-related or not, or it could be B-dubs or a food restaurant, is there any place that you're really craving to go back to once this is all over?
1: You know, that uh, place, uh, Bullwings. I was telling you about in you know, Elk mm. Grove. I'm, I was, uh, I'm looking forward to just going back there once uh, you know time is right, sitting down, uh, having a nice. Uh, they have chilled beers, kind of like uh, Twin Peaks with the okay. frost coming out. Um, better wings than uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, hopefully, uh, no, no one uh, calls me out on that. Um, but uh, that that's one of my favorite places. You know, they always do it right um, with the TVs um for the best game they always have the sound on no music it's a great environment a lot of locals and uh, it's one of my favorite places so when you come up to sacramento uh we'll have to come up and uh, give them giving them free advertising right now so if they show them this <laughs>
0: hey okay of course yeah sounds yeah. good and how about you for me just no restaurant in particular but just going to a restaurant and sitting down and eating in the restaurant like more of a fancier not fancier but just a sit down waiter you know takes your order that kind of thing because The takeout thing is cool. Don't get me wrong. I love supporting the small businesses around me that I have, you know, really enjoyed even pre COVID-19, but just, you know, the fact that I have to eat in my car or take it back home and eat it or eat in the parking lot, it's, it's kind of inconvenient. Like I miss those times where you could just sit down, Hey, what would you like tonight? I would like this, blah, 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 that whole interaction. And even just the ambience of sitting around other people kind of, I'm a big people watcher. I like people watching. So even that, like I miss. Exactly.
1: (laughs) but uh one day right one day yeah
0: of course one day so i I do want to ask you you brought it up earlier because you're you're working higher up for the fc republic what are they still having you do during this COVID 19 social distancing
1: well what i do is uh group sales um so i'm reaching out to youth sports churches performance groups and uh, try and get to get them to utilize our fan assets Uh, you know one of my better sales is selling halftime performances Uh, to gymnastics, cheerleading teams, and uh, they have a ticket requirement. So that's how, um, you know, we hold them accountable uh, to sell a certain amount of tickets. But, you know, it's a a pretty easy sell. Um, So I'm just getting them excited, like, hey, if it's not, not this year, let's come out next year. So um, they actually uh, haven't had us uh, do any uh, phone outreach for the first couple of days. You know, we were still trying. I was able to make a few sales here and there. But, uh, you know, last thing we want to do is uh, give off the wrong message that, you know, hey, we're still trying to make sales when people are losing their jobs. You know, some people are losing their lives. So we cut that back that aspect. And it was more of just like reaching out to our customers and like, hey, how you doing? How's your family doing? Is everything all right? Um, and especially with the season ticket holders, making sure they're okay. And, uh, we've actually been doing really good, staying involved in the community. We've we're, we have a great partnership with Raley's, um, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a grocery store up here and, um, they've donated, um, uh, baskets of food for the elderly so all of our front offices got together taken over a territory in Sacramento and uh, people cannot nominate their grandparents, their neighbors, their uh, elderly aunt and uncles and uh, we actually drop it off off their doorstep Knock, go wait in our car. Make sure they pick it up successfully. So uh, that's been uh, had a huge impact on me. You know, it feels great to you know help out people uh, who really need to stay inside at this time. We're very vulnerable to this disease. Um, so that's uh, been keeping me busy as well. Um, but as we, you know, we're we're an advantage right now. We are transitioning into Major League Soccer by 2022. So um, the the MLS actually announced that our schedule is still on time. So that was a great article to share with some of my prospects, um, you know, selling out to businesses, trying to have them excited when they come back to their employees, take them out to a match and say like, Hey, like this is our last season playing at this stadium. We're going to have a new stadium and play in professional soccer in a couple of years. So, um, You know, thankfully, uh, the Republic has been great to us, Uh, you know, as of now, uh, nobody has uh, been threatened to uh, get their hours cut or lose their job like you've seen other teams in the news do. So uh, it's a great organization to work for. And um, hopefully, uh, once this is uh, all over, we come out stronger.
0: That's great to hear, man. I I did want to ask you, too, because they are making the jump from the USL to MLS. Uh, You said next season, correct? So. What's just the buzz around your fellow coworkers and fans across the city? Because right now they only have one professional sports team in Sacramento Kings. Now they're going to get a second one at FC Republic.
1: Exactly. Um, so I've been with the organization for about two months um, prior to this job. Um, I was working for the Stockton Heat. Um, it's the AHL, uh, quote unquote, AAA affiliate to the Calgary Flames um, so this has a, been a little bit of a better market to sell into. It's really really hard to sell hockey in the Central Valley, but it's a lot easier to sell soccer in Sacramento. Um, so there's definitely been a lot of hype. Um, you know, sales are still sales. You know, you got to like convince people like, hey, this is actually happening. Um, but a lot of people are like, I, yeah, yeah, I haven't heard of this. Like, and then there's some people who are skeptical, saying like, hey, like you guys got to start building that stadium, then I'll believe it. So. We're supposed to have a groundbreaking here in June, um, which was supposed to have a lot of people. I doubt that's gonna happen now, but it's apparently still supposed to happen with um, at least our C-level executives. hopefully they invite the rest of the front office to socially distance and come out to the ceremony. But I think with us now staying really prevalent and very active in the community, uh, a lot of people are starting to take notice like, Hey, you know, they're about to be on par with the Sacramento Kings as far as a major professional sports team here in Sacramento. Um, So there's definitely been a lot more brand awareness. I'm starting to see a lot more Sac Republic gear around town. Uh, bars are starting to have jerseys, the Sac Republic logo up in uh, their restaurants and bars, respectfully. So it's cool. It's, it's great to be a part of. You know, We still have uh, this season if we return and next year in the USL playing at Cal Expo, which is the fairgrounds here in Sacramento, but we'll have that new stadium in 2022.
0: I did want to ask, where are they going to build that new stadium?
1: So, if you're familiar with going up on I-5 toward Natomas, if you're going toward the airport, okay. um, Once you uh, leave Sacramento area and start heading toward that way on I-5 going north, um, if you're on the, if you see on your right side, there's going to be these old rail yard and lumber buildings. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep those there because they're like historic landmarks in the city of Sacramento. But it is just unchartered, undeveloped land. Um that our owner purchased and they're actually gonna build a stadium there. It's gonna be a twenty one thousand seat stadium wow. uh that's gonna get built up. So it's gonna be right by the freeway. So when you're coming when you're leaving Sacramento, you're gonna see Golden One, you're gonna see Stadium. When you're coming into Sacramento, going on I5 South, you're gonna see our stadium, you're gonna see Golden One. So it's really gonna develop the Sacramento skyline and bring something special.
0: That's nice. So it's gonna be is it gonna be past the sleep train arena in Atomas or a little closer in?
1: A little closer in. Okay. Um, yeah, this is going to be right on the outskirts of downtown. It's going to be about a five-minute drive from downtown. Okay. And um, the rumor is, um, you know, once they work with some uh, developers to help, you know, buy land and to sell to businesses, it's going to be nonstop restaurants and bars from this stadium all the way down to Golden One, which is the rumor. Uh, I can't confirm that, but that's what I've heard. So that would uh, really develop the Sacramento economy.
0: That's great to hear, man. I, I know what Golden One are... I was able to see a little bit what Golden 1 did for Sacramento in the downtown area. So I'm excited to see what, you know, Republic FC and the new stadium brings to Sacramento. Especially, too, because, you know, I've been to a few soccer games at uh, Cal Expo. At, is it Papa Murphy's Park or is that not a thing anymore?
1: No, it's still Papa Murphy's Park okay. um, at Cal Expo. Um, okay. You, you might have seen it or I think you, might, you did go to a match there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you did, right?
0: Yeah, I went to a few yeah. games in the
1: supporter yeah. section, too, and that's, that's so much fun. Oh, exactly. That has, like, the uh, European soccer field to it. it. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, now a lot of people are saying, like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. it is a makeshift stadium at the fairgrounds. You can't see it from the freeway. You don't know we play there. So, right. that's a little <laughs> it's a little difficult to sell right now. So, you know, we're just promoting the heck out of this new stadium.
0: Yeah, and that's good. I mean, hopefully they do, they do put that fan supporter section, too, because I, I got to go to a few LAFC games, and, man, that's – that that's a whole game changer. When you're able to be in that part of the section, I highly encourage anyone who's never been to an MLS game. If you're gonna go for the first time, maybe intimidating, but go sit in that supporter section just because you know you're gonna get into the champs. It gets you more into the game, and, and it's cool because when they score a game, or when they score a goal, you know they're throwing beers, water, and just it's just going crazy. It's it's a lot of fun.
1: Exactly. And what the MLS has been able to do um, in America in general is just, you know, nothing short of amazing. Um, in California alone, um, we've seen the LA since 1994, we've seen the LA galaxy, the earthquakes, of uh, USA. We're here from 2005 to 2014. They folded. That's when LAFC came in. Now we have the Sac Republic, um, but we've had uh, 15 MLS teams, uh, get or actually, I'm sorry. 21 expansion teams here uh, in North America get expanded uh, since 2005. So MLS is really starting to put their name into the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL, and make it big five. It's not. It's not going to be the big four anymore. Mm-hmm. um you know the television ratings has been great it went down a little bit this year but actually the uh, top five games have been to the top five most watched games uh for the mls have been on fox since 2018 mm-hmm. um and they've had about they and you know it's it, it you know compared to the nba and fl it's still small but they've all had a million viewers which mm-hmm. you know that's been a uh, you know, game changer here in america and uh, this is a little bit of uh, my hot take um you know, we, I, we, I remember watching the LA Galaxy and LAFC last year um, when they mm-hmm. still had Zlatan. Uh, it was a big matchup, Carlos Vela versus Zlatan, mm-hmm. and ended in a draw. I mean, you as a sports fan, as an American sports fan can respect, like, we, we don't end in ties <laughs> here. <laughs> right. What, what are your thoughts on potentially the MLS, you know, going against, you know, centuries of soccer tradition and, go, and doing what hockey did after the lockout and getting rid of ties, instead of having an overtime and then a, a, um, a penalty kick at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be great to have, like, the penalty kicks, just like they go into shootout in hockey, especially for a regular season. I mean, I get the whole I, – I do understand from, like, an international league standpoint, ties count as one point, wins three. If you lose, you get zero. So I, I understand that, like a ties. But, see, if you incentivize a tie, reward someone for tying, then people are going to be settling for ties, right? Um, so I think it does encourage teams to play for the win more if you do get rid of ties, and it's like, hey, we have to go into PKs. Granted, sometimes PKs aren't always the best representation of who's the better team. That's why I think in the playoffs, like they already do, you have to implement, like, extra time, the two periods of extra time first before you go into PKs, but I think it would be great just because I don't really like seeing uh, ties at all, not at all, not even football, because there is still that rule, but you just rarely see it. Exactly.
1: And, you know, other countries, you know, I I love that they, you know, still stick by the traditions, but I think, you know, with other sports here, um, you know, besides football, you know, you got to crown a, win- a winner. I mean, if you want get, to get involved in kind of the uh, North American sports scene, uh, you know, that also includes Canada as well. Uh, I think I think you have to have a winner <laughs> and that's what's going to grow the soccer popularity. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me and say like, oh, you're breaking so much tradition, but I think that would grow soccer's popularity tremendously. And that's what it did for the NHL. when Once they came out of the lockout, I mean, their viewership went up. Uh, you know, they've expanded two teams. And they're actually going to have 32. They're going to have more teams in North America than the MLB and the NBA and the wow. MLS um, once um, NHL Seattle gets formed in uh, 2022, I believe it is. So, uh, okay. you know, the, that both the MLS and the NHL are, are coming for uh, the. Uh, it's going to be tough to catch the NFL and the uh, NBA, but who knows? You know, I think yeah. the MLB could be uh, maybe four, or number five in years to come.
0: Yeah, and if I had to put stock or, like, invest the money in any league, it would definitely be the MLS just because I think it's probably the lowest price right now. There's not a lot of money for people, like, investing into it. But I think – and this is me trying to be an optimist – but I just think with football, we mentioned earlier, and more and more concussions, I think more and more information about the long-term effects and concussions are going to really hurt the NFL, I would say, in 15 to 20 years. So if the MLS continues to grow at a steady pace – I don't maybe see it taking over the NFL, but it's going to be right up there, at least top three. And as soon as the NFL drops, because we're going to see a drop in the next five to ten years of kids not playing it at the youth level, then at the high school level. So it's only going to dilute the talent at the college and professional level. So you are going to see leagues like the NHL, and I think specifically the MLS, because right now it's getting really overlooked. But in 20 years, MLS is going to be like the next – it might be bigger than baseball and basketball. Who knows?
1: Exactly. And I think everywhere you go now, soccer leagues are just getting bigger and bigger and youth football is getting smaller and smaller. Um, I work with a lot of youth soccer teams here in the greater Sacramento area and uh, some of these recreation clubs have two to three thousand kids playing. I mean, that is just crazy. And uh, AYSO is obviously pretty big down in Southern California. And uh, now they have um, Orange County SC there in Irvine. So it, it, it's it's really taken over the West Coast and uh, hopefully the whole country catches on. And, um, you know, it's it's sad to see, you know, football um, has obviously had a great impact here um, in North America. Uh, I know they played a couple games in uh, Toronto as well. And, you know, they're starting to play games in, overseas in London. But, you know, I think yeah, definitely yeah, the concussion protocol is going to get a – um, you know, a, little, a lot more strict. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot more cases of players now. I mean, mm-hmm. even a play. I mean, I think uh, it was Rob Gronkowski who said it best when they were saying, like, guys the NFL become too soft? And he said, like, why do I feel like I'm in a car accident every Monday after a game?
0: Yeah, dang. That whew, that, that says it all. I, I And going back to soccer, it was one of those sports I definitely wish I got to play more as a little kid uh, just because – soccer you learn a lot too from an athletic standpoint especially like foot agility and balance I think I'm pretty uncoordinated like I've, I've able to like work on my coordination skills through high school and college but as a kid I was always like off balance I think you know soccer really teaches that and stresses that a lot
1: I think so too and um, it is a fall sport so uh, it, could, it could be coming uh, for football uh, sooner than later um, but I think even uh, you know my high school personally I think they've even a uh, with a high school of being 4,000 kids, they can't even field a freshman team anymore. Mm. So, I, I, you, see, you went to Villa Park High School, right? Yeah. Or Villa Park. Yeah. And then I, uh, did you, you had a freshman team um, when you were there? For boys soccer, I believe we
0: did, uh, but I believe for girls, we didn't. It was just JV and varsity.
1: I'm sorry, for football.
0: Oh, for football. Yes. We mm-hmm. had, yeah, football still going strong at Villa Park. You know, I, I was lucky to play at the beginning of a great head coach over there, Coach Ansich, and he, the last, I think this past season, they didn't win league, but that like stopped 10 years in a row where they were winning league after league. So, or win, we're winning league championship after league championship. So, they have no problem getting kids. They still have like 50, 60 kids in their freshman football program. Yeah.
1: And how big of a high school was that?
0: How big of a high school? We had, yeah. I know when we graduated, it was about eight to 9,000 kids. Okay. Yeah. So, I believe in football, they're D7 now. But for the most sports, I mean, they're they're kind of like they're not the modern days, obviously, or the Chrono Centennials, but they're pretty higher up there.
1: Yeah, th- those were our powerhouses. You had mm-hmm. modern day in your backyard. I had Chrono Centennials as, ri- as a rival. Mm-hmm. I-, I like to always say when pe- when people say, where'd you go to high school? And I always say, have you ever heard of Chrono Centennial? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, yeah, that great football program. Did you go there? No, I went to the rival high school <laughs> every, every year since 1995 and we've never beat them. So
0: that, that's our
1: little uh, quote to fame right there for a yeah. national, national powerhouse. Centennial. Mm-hmm.
0: But having broadcasted some games in the Fullerton and Anaheim and garden Grove area, a lot of those schools are suffering and have taken out JV programs. So they do have freshman programs, but then there's no, uh, there's no JV programs and coaches will tell us, you know, they'll, they'll tell us straight up is like, that really hurts the sophomores and juniors development, right? Because that's a big period for them to, because it's hard to be a sophomore and jump right to that varsity level. And if you're not getting the playing time on Friday or Thursday nights that you would be getting, if you were playing on JV, it can kind of be discouraging. And I could see why a lot of kids would quit after their sophomore season, not thinking about, Hey, I'm going to earn my, my essential, my playing time, my junior and Caesar season two, um, once, you know, down the road.
1: Exactly. And how's the broadcasting gig going for you? I'd love to hear a little more about that.
0: Yeah, it's, was, it was, you know, a class or internship that you sign up for at Fullerton College. And so, you know, I had the luxury of interviewing a lot of coaches and players at the Fullerton College level, doing a lot of their games. But a big part of what the last few fall seasons and something that I really enjoyed is we would do the, um, the high school games in the area. And for the most part, it was either Fullerton High School or games at Glover Stadium, which is in Anaheim. And a lot of times the Anaheim time, the Anaheim teams play there. So like Cotella High School, Loera, Anaheim High School, Savannah, uh, I'm, I'm Magnolia. We did a Magnolia game, and a lot of times they played Garden Grove schools. I also work with kids in the Garden Grove area too. So at the middle school level, I'm actually going to start coaching high school next year, depending depends on how this works out after COVID 19. But you know, so I've been able to hear around in those like three major cities from Fullerton, Anaheim, and garden gro- garden grove and you're seeing a lot of dwindling numbers and to where teams can't even fill JV teams and varsity rosters are, you know, 35. I've seen small, small rosters, about 35, 40 kids on a roster. And I'm just like, wow, that's crazy.
1: That's awesome. And, uh, what, any position, um, concentrated or just, uh, it's just the coach, uh,
0: long, linebacker and safety. So defense, nice. they haven't told me specifically which one, but they said it'll either be one of those two. So I'm really excited you know, I I was always more of a, I mean, I wasn't the most physically gifted player. So I had to learn to succeed in different ways, right? It had to be studying the film and, you know, reading cards, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of teach that back to kids at the youth level and help them out, you know? There you go. That's awesome. So I did want to ask you too, if you don't mind sharing, you were supposed to have a wedding next weekend. Yep. May 2nd. I mean, how, how has that affected just, you know, their planning for the wedding and how hard was it and how sudden was it that you had to all of a sudden reschedule to a later date?
1: Well, um, we were actually—I was supposed to have my um, bachelor party in Las Vegas the first week of March Madness, and okay. um, that—I right, think it was that week that um, when Las Vegas shut down, I was supposed to go. And once that happened, I was like, "Okay, the, is this is this going to be you know not 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 a possibility to pull off?" Because we were in March at the time, and uh, May second was about six weeks away um so you know we unfortunately made the decision pretty quickly uh, because we knew a lot of other couples we actually uh had another couple, uh some friends weddings to go to before ours um who started to postpone and so to get a date in september which it's actually going to be september 4th now um we acted pretty quickly and uh, all of our vendors um, were really easily easy to work with and um you know we weren't canceling on them so they were saying like yeah i know we'll, we'll completely help you guys out and just move it over so um you know, those are uh, companies that uh, I'm going to go back to um, once this all over and leave a great review um, and say like, hey, they didn't hassle me. You know, they didn't charge me extra, um, you know, during these tough times. They moved it over. So um, it was great to see uh, all my uh, wedding vendors do that.
0: Man, that's really great to hear. Shout out to those companies for, you know, being able to work with you through all this. Now, I did want to transfer over to the NFL draft that just happened this past weekend at the time of this recording. And the Chargers had the sixth overall pick. I felt like well, our t- my team, Carolina, was right after you in the seventh overall pick. And I feel like for the first time in a long time, both their teams were looking for new quarterbacks. We're moving on from Philip Rivers and Cam Newen. How did you feel about the pick, Justin Herbert, as sixth overall and just the overall draft for the Los Angeles Chargers?
1: Well, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, Pac 12 quarterbacks uh, have not really uh, panned out recently. And you know, I'm always one to say, like, ah, Oregon quarterbacks, but um, you know, on uh, on your podcast, and I'm not going to show um, you know, a lot of bias. You know, I'll, I'll be fair. Um, you know, Marcus Mariota was under a different coach, Dennis Dixon was under a different coach. Um, so you know, I'm going to give Herbert a chance. Um, you know, what I'm worried about is that he's going to be going to a really young offensive coordinator that we have, in Shane Steigen. Um, You know, he did start as uh, offensive assistant Louisville in 2010. Um, And, you know, when we uh, unfortunately uh, got rid of uh, Ken Wisenhunt in the middle of the season last year, he went two and six afterward. And, um, you know, he he can't take credit that we did uh, beat Aaron Rodgers um, and the Packers. But I think that was a little bit of a fluke game. Aaron Rodgers did not certainly play his best that night. So um, that does worry me a little bit. I think um, he will uh, hold, as my dad likes to say, I think he's going to be standing on the sideline, holding the clipboard the first year, uh, watching Tyrod Taylor. But there's uh, there's definitely a, a lot of scenarios. I mean, the Chargers are moving into the new stadium. Um, you know, this is it's a really an end of an era. Um, you know, there's no more uh, Melvin Gordon either, unfortunately um well i don't know how much i could say that unfortunately he's the one who kind of messed up the season last year right. so um yeah i am going to give herbert a chance i, I you know I, I as much as i like to say i don't believe in Oregon quarterbacks um you know let, let's see let's see how he pans out he uh, obviously had a great system down in Oregon um so you know we'll uh, we'll take it one game at a time i think i don't really expect him to see too, too many snaps this year. I think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, how about you? Yeah, I'd love to hear your reaction of, uh, I mean, I, I do read your tweets over Cam Newton. I'm sure <laughs> that's a little bit of a sour subject still.
0: Yeah, it's very sour. Cause I just think, you know, I think the chargers handled their situation with Rivers a little bit better. You know, for me, it was pretty rocky since he was pit uh, since Cam Newton was put on the injured reserve back in week two or after week two, um, in 2019 season you know rumors started flying out Ian Ian, I remember I hated it too Ian Rappaport was kept tweeting out and kept writing articles about you know Cam Newton is going to be traded but he wouldn't source anything it was just like his opinion but he was reporting it as like a fact like he had a source and so you know just I remember it was like something I had to keep fighting off all season because I was like no way you can get rid of Cam Newton. no way you can get rid of Cam Newton. If he's healthy, right? That's the big question mark. And I think, honestly, this pandemic really, like, hurt his career in Carolina. And that's what put it to an end. Also, too, I'm sure the new head coach and a newer owner had a lot to do with it. But I, I think, you know, if the pandemic didn't hit and they're constantly checking up, doing physicals with Cam Newen, having their doctors check them out, and let's say he is healthy and they think long-term he can be the solution, there's no way you get rid of a guy who's, you know, five years removed from winning an MVP and leading a team. Full of scrubs on the offense to the Super Bowl. I just think you know there's no way, especially with a talented Christian McCaffrey, because I don't want to be like that Homer, uh, that Homer Carolina Panther fan that thinks, "Oh, Super Bowl every year." But I think if you have a healthy Cam Newton and a healthy Christian McCaffrey going into this season, you're you're a top ten, maybe not top ten, at least a top twelve, top fourteen team, right? You're competing for a playoff spot. I think there's a good chance, especially if they expand the playoffs to seven teams each conference, there's a good chance you can get a top seven seed. So it was just really heartbreaking, too, how the front office handled it. Obviously, Ron Rivera goes in the off, or in the season. They bring in Matt Rule. Super Bowl weekend, Cam Newton says, you know, I'm excited, or I'm, I'm for sure going to play with the Panthers in 2020. Matt Rule says at the Combine, hey, I'm excited to work with Cam Newton. But then March 17th, that first tampering day period, where they can, you know, talk with free agents and stuff, They're like, oh, we're going to, we're going to, the Panthers put out, we're going to let Cam Newton seek a trade because that's what he wants. And then, of course, Cam Newton responded on Instagram in a very angry fashion. He's like, don't put this on me. You guys are forcing me to do this. Like, you guys are for, and it just, to me, that just, that was, that that made me like so hurt because, you know, they did a similar thing to Greg Olson. Greg Olson later reported in a a report saying that he still wanted to play for Carolina, but they kind of said, bye, you know, like, here's your things, pack up and leave. Uh, They did a similar thing to Steve Smith, Josh Norman, you know, they franchise tagged him and then out of nowhere, they released him. Uh, They did a similar thing with D'Angelo Williams. So I just felt like in the past, and now we're seeing it again with Cam Newman, arguably, if not, if not the best player in the franchise's history, top two, right behind Steve Smith, you know, just to force him out like that after I think he's done so much for the community. And you you just hear a lot of people to portray him as like, Oh, he's a bad leader. You know, he whines a lot. And it's like, that's not true. I feel like he's very – he's portrayed really badly in the media. Granted, he is a black quarterback, so that's something I feel like a lot of black quarterbacks deal with. And he was, you know, 2015, 2016, and up to that, he was very showboaty. He was very confident, I guess you could say. And he had a different style of play, very similar to like the Latinos who play in the MLB and how people are kind of rebelling against that. But I just, you know, to see it all end the way it did, I think that's what really hurt me about the Carolina Panthers franchise, and I'm still a little salty about it. I thought they had a great draft, which kind of got me feeling a little bit so-so about the franchise and the direction they're heading in. I'm I was kind of excited about Matt Rule, not super stoked, but I don't know, man. It was to see Cam Newton. That's funny too. It, it came full circle because when Cam Newton first got drafted, I still have a screenshot of me on Facebook saying, "Ah, Cam Newton! Like, damn, he's gonna be another Jamarcus Russell." Like that was my initial take, and um, so you know, for him to. Bring us to such a high point, 15 and 1 in 2016 or 15, and got us to the Super Bowl that year. And unfortunately, it didn't work out, but still, I mean, he took Carolina to a level the franchise had never been to before. And I'm super grateful and I'm super bummed that this ended the way it did.
1: Exactly. And um, I think uh, the Carolina Panthers, you know, I, I help them not throwing salt in the wound, but, you know, they definitely caught some bad breaks in that uh, Super Bowl 50. Um, if it weren't for, uh, you know, DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller coming out for blood that whole yeah. game, that, that could have been a very different uh, outcome yeah, with an old Peyton Manning. He didn't deserve – I mean, I'm very <laughs> anti-Peyton Manning, as you can tell. He <laughs> didn't deserve to win that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would have loved to see uh, Cam Newton win. Um, I uh, Unfortunately, the one year I did cheer for Oregon to actually win something was that uh, 2011 BCS championship when Oregon played Auburn. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cam Newton balled out then he balled out that whole year. So um, I've always been a fan for him. I think uh, definitely the media uh, portrays him uh, very poorly. Unfortunately, I think um, he, he's kind of has the same uh, kind of like Kyrie Irving. I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, I, I kind of compare both of them, um, you know, to be kind of portrayed the same, you know, definitely they have different approaches, but I think uh, the media has been unfair to both of them and uh, made their uh, teammates turn against them. So, um, right. you know, it, uh, Definitely, it definitely makes you think. It's like in the, media, the media is here is to report, uh, right. you know, on on the game. And you know, if you're going too in depth in the locker room, you know, are you messing up relationships? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, that's definitely a little bit of my take on it. And uh, it's unfortunate. I think uh, Cam still has some tank left, to, uh, gas left in the tank. And I, uh, I I thought the Chargers were going to sign him. I was pulling for it, but that's not going to happen now. So uh, we'll see yeah. where it goes.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see where he goes to. I just really hope he ends up in a good situation, whether he's projected as a starter or not. I mean, I, I would really hate to see him be like the Charles Barkley or the, the Patrick Ewings of the NFL, because honestly, I think he was one of the more talented quarterbacks to ever play the game. I was watching – my girlfriend the other day was actually like, oh, can you, like, you know, introduce me to football and teach me about football? And I was like, oh, what's a good football game. And I, I chose the college level, but I chose uh, a, a game from 2010. Auburn's 2010 season when Cam Newton was the quarterback and just watching some of the plays he would make there watching some of the plays he'd make in Carolina I mean my goodness like he he I and mean, there's a reason why they call him Superman he would do some unrealistic type plays just because of his physical gifts 6'6 250 and he can run a four-five, four-six, and he was out running people so I mean it's it'd be crazy unfortunate if he ends his career without ever winning a championship. I hope he ends up in a really good situation with a coach that's invested in a coach because the whole time in Carolina, I felt like they kind of used him and overused him and overworked him, and didn't necessarily put the right pieces around him. I would love to see him go to a franchise that is like, Hey, this is our guy. We're going to surround him with a really good offensive line. We're going to surround him with good receivers and a good defense. And we're going to try and win a championship because that's, I think that's what he deserved. And he never got in Carolina. If I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And, um, You know, you definitely heard the reports between him and uh, Ron Rivera, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, when Ron Rivera said he wanted nothing to do with him in Washington, uh, that was already like, okay, well, was it, Cam Newton, or was it the system he was under? So, uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Ron Rivera? Do you think that was uh, it was time for him to go?
0: Yeah, it was a bummer for me to see him go too, just because Ron Rivera. You know, he's Latino. There's not a lot of Latinos to root for in the NFL, whether players, GMs, coaches. So it's cool to see him do his thing on my favorite team. I love that. Um, you know, smart guy too. UC Berkeley, very active in the community. And, you know, for him to go to Washington, I'm excited for him to do that because Washington's been a pretty bad franchise. I guess you can compare it to, like, the Knicks as of late in the NBA where the the Washington has, you know, mishandled a lot of situations in the recent years. They haven't put the best teams out in the field. Their owner's kind of a, you know, a dick. And, and so it's just – but I know Ron Rivera, he's like – he may not, like, win you 14, 15 games a season, but, you know, you're going to compete. You're going to play hard. He's going to emphasize defense, get that mold of you to work hard, be accountable, and it, it makes sense, too. I, I think he wouldn't want Newton in Washington because they're going through a rebuild of themselves. They also have a terrible O-line. So I think it would be, you know, tragic to see Newton go from one terrible offensive line to another terrible offensive line and the team probably worse off than Carolina, Carolina is right now in the middle of a rebuild. So, you know, I just think the fit wasn't there for them. But you know, I'm excited. I think Ron Rivera, three years, probably going to have uh, the wa- Washington competing for the NFC East.
1: You never know. I mean, that is uh, definitely a division that always seems to find itself up in the air and has a different winner every single year. I think aren't the Eagles back in the mid-2000s the last team to win that division back-to-back?
0: I believe so. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't put my nose on it. But I know nine and seven, eight and eight usually wins that league or wins that division most years, just like it did last year. So, you know, who knows? I know the Cowboys did load up and they had a really fantastic draft. I thought, Um, me not being a fan of them at all, but I think they had a really wonderful draft. And so they're got to be hungry and looking like the favorites in the NFC East this upcoming year.
1: So uh, I got to ask, what are your thoughts on Joe Burrow? And um, obviously, he's already expected to change the Bengals franchise. And, uh, you know, people are already making uh, shot calls for him to win a Super Bowl in a couple of years. What are your thoughts?
0: Honestly, I, I wouldn't – I would be surprised if he didn't win a Super Bowl in his career. I'm not going to put a time stamp on it. You know, I think first two, three seasons is probably really unrealistic. But what I saw from him at the college level, and it is – it is, it is uh, I guess you could say a little – worrisome that it was only one season and he couldn't beat out guys like Dwayne Haskins and JT Barrett, not saying those guys are scrubs. They were great at Ohio state, but if he was so great, you know, he would have been able to beat those guys out and win a starting position transfers to LSU first season. There has a pretty solid season, but no one's thinking of him as a first round pick then goes on this tremendous run. But I, I think a lot of what I saw from his game translates to the NFL mainly biggest thing is like, he's not an elite athlete and he's not the biggest quarterback hardest to bring down but he's super aware in the pocket right like he senses pressure and he doesn't he's not quick to just you know start scrambling he 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 knows how to move around the pocket really efficiently still look down the field and deliver accurate balls on the run whether he's inside the pocket outside the pocket he's willing to take big hits i think that's something i really like about him too he's like a feisty guy but he's not showboaty. i think he's a solid locker room guy i mean there's a lot of videos of him doing a lot of like physical workouts and challenging guys in the weight room that kind of stuff so i think he's a good leader really really elite pocket awareness which i think is going to help him in the nfl and hopefully you know a young coach in zach taylor and a, a franchise that hopefully in the next couple of years are like really invested in let's build a good offensive line let's build a good receiving core and a build build a good defense so that in 2024 2025 we can be competing for Super Bowls, hopefully
1: I absolutely agree, and um, I definitely uh, see a lot of similarities. And they have two different styles of plays, but of kind of how Cam Newton got his career started. He only played one season at Auburn, and he they had the undefeated season. He wins the Heisman. He's a number one pick. So, uh, definitely uh, see the same type of blueprints that uh, the Bengals have in store for him. Uh, I think the first couple of years, you know, just like any number overall pick, you know, you got to remember, you, you, you were at the bottom of the league for a reason. And right. one player isn't just going to fix that. And I think that's, um, you know, what also um, the Bengals, what the Dolphins are working on uh, for Tua is, you know, building a wall for him. I think that's what the Bengals need to do as well um, or else, you know, and sometimes it's not, it's not the quarterback's fault as a rookie, you know, they just have no offensive line, So, you know, if you're going to draft a premier quarterback, you know, you better start building a line or a lot of people are going to start doubting your quote-unquote franchise quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think that's one peop- one thing a lot of people underestimate is the importance of an offense and defensive line too. I mean, you like look at the 49ers, they got to the Super Bowl because of such a strong defensive line and strong offensive line that could just, you know, pound the ground game like nonstop on almost every team that they face, even in the playoffs we saw it. And the defensive line that, you know, just they could send four guys consistently and they can get to the quarterback, which does wonders for your defensive back group because now you have everyone back there guarding the pass. For the Chiefs, obviously a little different. different. They have a generational type player, in Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes type players are very few and far between. Most of the chances, if you go to Super Bowl, like a good team, you know, you, you have an above average quarterback or a great quarterback, but not an elite quarterback of that caliber. So I think it does start, you know, at the battle of the trenches, right? And I think like the Colts, had they not had lost Andrew Luck like that, I thought they were going to be in a really good contention for a Super Bowl run because, you know, they have a really good offensive line. And They did the right thing as far as, you know, getting guys like Quentin Nelson and Anthony Costanzo just to, you know, really solidify the offensive line because that just does so much wonders for a quarterback.
1: Absolutely. And uh, this was definitely a uh, high quarterback class. Um, we had, We saw Joe Burrow. We saw Justin Herbert, we saw uh, Tua, and the Jalen Hurts. Where did he go? 58th overall to mm-hmm. uh, where would he go? To
0: Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia.
1: That's right. Um, definitely not what people expected. I remember when he transferred to Oklahoma, they were saying like, "All right, it was Baker, it was Kyle, uh, Kyler Lowry, uh, or Kyler Murray, and now it's uh, Jalen Hurts." Well, Jalen Hurts. I mean, he, he had a He had the potential for a Heisman, but. Uh, obviously, um, it was a little bit different this year, and uh, he's a lot uh, more different than Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. But how do you see his future um, with the Philadelphia Eagles?
0: It's a little interesting to see what the Eagles. I don't think he'll end up playing a lot for the Eagles. I think he'll kind of have, like, maybe a similar to career – well, that's a probably a bad comparison. Maybe similar in the sense of the start as, like, Matt Flynn in Green Bay, where he's probably asked to start a few spot starts for injuries of Carson Wentz does really good, and all of a sudden teams, you know, want to bring him in as a starting quarterback. Opposite of Matt Flynn, though, I think he could be a service starting quarterback. I think he's in a better situation because he is a second-rounder, so there's not that pressure on him to succeed right away. I think, you know, you put Hurts in Herbert's spot and Herbert in in Hurts' spot, I think, you know, you flip it. I think Herbert has a better chance to succeed because there's just so much more pressure when you're a first-rounder versus a second-rounder. But I think, you know, probably before the end of his rookie contract, Hurts gets traded to some team that – Needs a new quarterback because he showed off and probably like, you know, probably like six to eight or maybe like similar to Jimmy G. He played five to six games with the Patriots during his rookie contract when, Louis, um, when Tom Brady wasn't able to play due to suspension or injury. And, you know, that, that did it enough to where a team was like, hey, this could be our franchise guy. And I think he's, he'll be above average, probably a, a good quarterback, maybe make a Pro Bowl here and there. But I don't see him being a superstar. I just don't see him having that superstar potential.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, you know, as much as I like to see it, you know, I was definitely a big fan of his um, at Alabama and Oklahoma. You know, definitely seems like a classy guy and uh, definitely a great listener, but um, I, I just don't see it as well. You know, I think the uh, MEPL in comparison uh, is pretty on point.
0: But he does seem like someone who could handle adversity well, which I think is great. And even the whole situation, I mean, for if you ask a 19, 20-year-old person to handle the situation that he did, where, you know, start to Alabama, went to championship his freshman year, about to win back-to-back, back, but just, you know, doesn't happen. Gets benched for a freshman out of Hawaii, and then all of a sudden has to be the backup and then transfer to a different school. I mean, that's – the way he handled that, I, I think he's mature beyond his years, so I think that's really good. You know, I'm sure a team will fall in love with that, whether it's the Eagles or a team that trades for him. But, you know, smart – I think it's smart on the Eagles to take a quarterback even though it necessarily doesn't fit. But hopefully maybe in two, three years he gets you – Maybe a high second, if not a third round pick, and you know that that'll be good for them going forward.
1: So I gotta ask: Does LSU repeat this year? I
0: I don't see it because you know, I mean, being an LSU fan, they've never had good quarterbacks, right? Before Joe Burrow is like woeful list of quarterbacks that I could list to you that you had never heard of and didn't really do much in the NFL. And so you know, Burrow is a once in a generational type player. I think they'll be really good potentially top 15 top 20 because they always recruit well Ed O really recruits well you know but they lost their offensive coordinator joe brady um they lost over you know 15 to 20 players to the nfl draft i forget out the exact number but i know 14 players were drafted which tied the record for most i think it was more than 14 i believe it was 18 but they tied the record for most players drafted from one school and one in nfl draft so i mean i just for me to say, yeah, they're going to repeat, it's tough. But you never know. I, I know they're interested in um, – I forgot exactly who the quarterback is, and I don't want to butcher any school, but I know they're interested in the, a quarterback from the transfer portal. So we'll see. You know, you never know what may happen. Joe Burrow was a transfer. Maybe they do get a new transfer. And you never know. I feel like Louisiana, LSU has always had a good developing system, whether it's Tyron Matthew or Darius Geis. A lot of those guys in, in, in LSU's past, when they come in as freshmen, they're two, three-star recruits. But then they leave, you know, first rounders or they do they go on to do great things in the pros. So I think they're really good at developing talent.
1: And uh, speaking of that, um, JT Daniels is actually a possibility for LSU. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that that would be, you know, definitely, you know, for myself and uh, Jacob Panshaw as well. Yeah. <laughs> We've done the show a couple of times. That would just be the absolute, you know, just... Salt in the wound if mm-hmm. Edo picks him up. And not only did we let e- Edo go from USC, if you guys pick up our quarterback and just he's an absolute stud next year, that's going to hurt.
0: Yeah. I haven't, you know, just watching some of his games, I haven't watched a lot of him, but he doesn't seem like a, a very elite quarterback. But who knows? I felt like, you know, if you have a really good offensive coordinator and a good offensive staff that, you know, knows how to work with your strengths, because I think that's what Brady did best, Joe Brady did best with Joe Burrow. I mean, sh- I- you know the sky's the limit for guys like JT Daniels and, and other you know really good quarterbacks but maybe aren't necessarily elite on their own
1: yeah I mean that first year true freshman I mean when you're a true freshman at USC yeah, there's definitely a lot of pressure I think we saw that with Matt Barkley he didn't have you know obviously the best year and then uh, last year uh, JT Daniels got hurt and then when you know last year freshman to start at uh, USC was uh, Matt Barkley and we saw his most productive years his uh, junior and senior years so uh Definitely the same for J.T. Daniels. Um, And they're, uh, fortunately, uh, hopefully doesn't fall into the uh, modern day, the USC and not really panning out in the NFL. But um, definitely going to miss him at at USC. You know, I remember when I was uh, working at the Sacramento B and I was uh, following the top high school recruits in California and I saw he committed to USC. I was, uh, you know, through the roof, but bummer to see him go.
0: Yeah. And I I just think, too, the offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, right, I believe it is. Just yep. the air raid system didn't really fit Daniel's skill set. So, I, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be best for him to stay there long term. So, you know, good on him. Hopefully he ends up in a good situation that can, you know, utilize his best skills and do something in the pros, hopefully.
1: Plus, Clay Helton didn't get fired. Yeah. <laughs> that, probably, that probably didn't help either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when they changed the athletic director, I knew it at that time. I'm like, ah, we're not getting rid of Clay Helton yeah uh, i i think fig- i figured that they were going to this athletic director was going to give him another chance and mm-hmm. sure enough that's what happened i always assume the worst works with usc since the sanctions it seems like we've been uh haunted by bad luck since then so hopefully we come out of this misery soon
0: yeah hopefully soon when his contract is up <laughs> we well, really appreciate you again for hopping on the show and you know as always stay safe during quarantine and best of luck you know hope to see you in the wedding if not before then uh in september but you know, just stay safe and practice social distancing, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, same, same uh, with you as well. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, you having me on, i uh, following your podcast. Uh, great to uh, see all your success and uh, keep it up. I know it's definitely a grind um, w- uh, in both of our industries, respectively mm-hmm. in sports, you know, or uh, come climb to the bottom, but uh, hopefully uh, in 10 years, you know, we're at the top, uh, right. making a lot more money than we are right now, And right? Uh, and and and, uh, and not drinking cheap beer, having some uh, good cocktails, <laughs> having, having some good food, and talking about our days at KSU. So uh, right, uh, sipping yeah, pretty...
0: scotch. Exactly. I never had scotch, but it
1: sounds fancy. So <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to buy a bottle just because I can. <laughs> <laughs> Have it in the background. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is this was fun. Uh, reminded me a lot of the college days. So again, I appreciate it.
0: Hey Noah Alvarez, back here just to remind you, this is a double feature on the Mike and I podcast, episode 103. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alec and I catching up. Good old radio station, well, not old old, but it's only been a couple years, but uh, it feels like a long time ago. But yeah, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alec and myself. Now we're gonna hop into a conversation that I had with three former athletes that I coached at the middle school youth level. They're both, or not both, they're all three freshman at the high school level so give a big round of applause to Padilla Jalen and Joseph all right so guys first ever draft that's via zoom there's no actual hey handshakes with the Roger Goodell how'd you guys feel about it with everything being online this year
3: honestly it wasn't it wasn't terrible it was kind of cool to see them like in their own houses
4: uh it was was a nice experience but like I didn't like how it was the iconic moment where they hold up the jersey you know and roger goodell giving them the nice little arm wrap
2: mm-hmm.
4: it was nice to see how they lived without getting the money they received from the nfl like mm-hmm. you've seen a bunch of varieties of different homes like apartments houses you look at henry ruggs's apartment and you look like joe burrow's house like different different area you know
0: yeah and you, Padilla?
5: I mean, like it was dope, you know. The draft is a draft. It's just it was a little different, but like it was still dope, you know. Still not the same experience, but like mm-hmm. still like amazing, amazing, like just to be drafted in the NFL is still the same thing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for yeah. the the players, it's still gonna be the same. But Roger Goodell, I feel like he was kind of corny, just like being by himself in his living room. How did you like that, Joseph?
4: I mean I didn't really like him only being by himself, you know? Like usually when you hear him say the draft name, you hear the, the team the fans of the teams scream or boo. I, I didn't really like that part. And then he messed up like two of two of names. Did you guys see that?
0: Man, he I had guys. all off season to practice. How can he not get his name right? I
4: know. He was like I don't know, he was just weird, like he was weird, like but, that awkward first time you meet somebody and you talk to them for the first time—that was him with the draft this year. It was pretty weird.
0: All right, cool, cool. So, first pick, Joe Burrow. Did any of that surprise you guys? I know the teams and ESPN was reporting that the entire time. But how'd you guys feel about Joe Burrow going number one?
5: No doubt, it was—it was gonna happen. I mean, I, I thought for a little bit like Chase Young was going number one, but nah. I feel like Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow did a job at number one, you know? Mm-hmm.
4: In my opinion, yeah, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was going number one. He's the Heisman winner. He broke multiple records in the playoffs and in the regular season. And, damn, he was holding a hat, a Bengals hat, before he even got called. So, nothing mm-hmm. surprised me there.
0: Mm-hmm. I saw you call him a bust, too. Do you want to elaborate on that? Damn. I don't
4: know, man. Usually, the first, the first overall
0: really
4: have been pretty on the down, on the downside. I mean,
5: Kyler Murray got Rookie of the Year, and he was first overall. Don't talk to me, bro. Josh Jacobs is there.
4: That. <laughs>
5: Josh Jacobs is
4: there. That. You look at Baker Mayfield. He's not yeah. doing it. He not, he's not doing good. Kyler Murray. He's like the middle. I don't know. Maybe because Joe Burrow always had everything given to him. He went to a stacked LSU team. High school, he must have mm-hmm. had a nice, nice Athens high school team. So I think when he goes to the Bengals, I don't know. He doesn't have much assets, so I don't think I don't think he's gonna do good.
5: But any good could be would we'll do good with whatever they have, you know. That's true. Yeah,
0: it'll but be a like true. Said, it'll be a true test.
4: Everything given to him. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll go ahead now. I'll, I'll let you go first, Joseph. Your team picked twelfth overall. They obviously had a few big needs, especially one was big receiver to get Henry Ruggs. How did you react to that?
4: At first I was thinking they're gonna go C D Lamb for sure. But at the same time, Gruden really loved the speed of Henry Ruggs. He draws comparisons to like Tyree Kill and he draws his main comparison is to Tyreek Hill and I really liked I really like how he's his him and him are compared to each other because Tyreek Hill is an amazing athlete and if we can get Henry Ruggs to be like Tyreek Hill,
0: Super Bowl champs in four years, I'm calling it. Hey, okay. Ooh. Bold prediction, for <laughs> Joseph.
2: <laughs> ah, you're funny. you
4: were the Patriots, but you guys don't have a quarterback.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's go, to you. let's go to you next, Padilla, because you guys had a pick at 23, but then traded out of it to the Chargers, right. I believe. But no first-round pick. I mean, what were you doing? What, what were your thoughts?
5: Uh, I mean, it's Belichick. You know, he's like one of the smartest in the in the league. You know, as coach, so I was kind of going along with this plan. But like when they found out in the second round, pick seven, they went for a safety instead of instead of a quarterback. That's when I was like, that's when I was questioning what was going on. Mm-hmm. Cause like, in my opinion, like I thought they were gonna go Jalen Hurts, or they're just like I like Jalen Hurts too, in my opinion too. Like he's like one of my favorite QBs in the draft and I don't know like they just didn't go through you know mm-hmm. What do you like most about Jalen Hurts? He can do anything really like he can he can run, he can throw, he's a he's strong. People were kind of like referring to him as Taysom Hill cuz like he can really do anything.
0: Yeah. I think he's a better thrower and passer than Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill probably couldn't throw 30, 40 times a game, but I think Hurts can for sure. Yeah. And then you, Jalen, San Francisco, had two picks in the first round. Not a lot of picks this draft, but they had two in the first round. Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk, what you mm-hmm. think?
3: You know, I was, I was really confused when we did come back and draft a D-tackle. But then again, it did make sense because we traded DeForest Buckner, who was getting paid a lot of money. So that saves up cap for just another DeForest Buckner, if not better, younger. Maybe we can grow around that. And then I feel like we were waiting on Justin Jefferson. And then as soon as he was gone, we, that's when we decided to trade up to get Brandon. And, you know, 80-inch 80, 80 uh, reach? Can't go wrong with that.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. And you said it best, too. When you get older, you'll learn it's all about the money, right? I mean, they're going to have to pay George Kittle soon and Nick Bosa in a couple years. Yeah. So it makes sense to get ahead of it now. You have a younger guy who's on a rookie contract in Kinlaw and probably could do, if not the same, maybe slightly less than what DeForest Buckner was doing, and you don't have to pay for, like, a fraction of the cost. Ayuk's really exciting, too. I mean, he could be a a little bit returning. People compare him to Debo Samuel, and we already know what Debo Samuel could do in the 49ers offense. Mm -hmm. So two Debo Samuels, like, that's crazy.
3: Mm. I really did want CD though, because we we lack big receivers, but I feel like Kendrick Bourne will be a nice um, red zone target for this year. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And then Joseph, I forgot too, the Raiders had two picks at nineteen, I believe it was. They went and got Damon Arnett from Ohio State. And a lot of people were shocked. I mean, what were your thoughts? I was
4: I <laughs> <laughs> was not the only one shocked. The people on on the on NFL they in the NFL, they were like, Whoa, why did he being take this early? Like, yeah, we lost Trey. Was it what's his name? The guy from Clemson, I believe.
0: Hmm. Trayvon Mullen?
4: Uh, Trayvon Mullen, there we go. Mm-hmm. He got t- he got taken early, which was our guy. He was our guy. Our oh, you mock- mean, a-
0: no, AJ Terrell. My bad.
4: AJ Terrell, there we go. He got taken by the Falcons, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that was our guy in our mock drafts. So I don't know why we wasted our first rounder on a guy that should have been taken in the late first round. I just think we should have saved our corner for, like, maybe in the second round. Because if you haven't noticed, a lot of second rounders are better than some first rounders. So maybe we should have taken a chance and maybe taken a corner at the second
0: round, not the first. Mm-hmm.
3: that's that definitely a reach. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a big risk, right. too. But we saw that last year. Remember when the Raiders had the fourth pick overall and they maybe took so Cleveland too. Farrell? I remember you were upset after that day when they took him because he, yeah, he would have probably been there at 12, 13, 14, and they took him at four. And mm-hmm. Arnett, kind of similar. You know, he would have been there day two for sure. Yeah.
4: I just hope, uh, I just hope Arnett's not, yeah, Arnett's not going to be like Cleveland Farrell and be a bust.
0: Because mm-hmm.
4: we could have had Devin, Devin Bush, his name is.
0: Yeah, Devin I mean, White, we too. We could
4: have had many more better players at
5: number four rather than Cleveland Farrell.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, where there any... well, got... I'll go ahead, Padilla. No... What? What's up?
5: How do you feel that, um, the Panthers passed on Isaiah Simmons, and they got the the guy from Auburn. How do you feel about that?
0: Man, I was hurting, guys. I told you guys in the group chat I was about to leave the fan base, just cause I was already I was already upset about Cam, and yeah, and Isaiah. Like, don't get me wrong, Derek Brown's really good. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things about him. But Isaiah Simmons is like Derwin James, even better than people say, or better than Jamal Adams, and it's like. How can you pass up um, right on an, an elite elite player versus just a really good player? You know what I'm saying? So it's just hey. it kind it, it threw me off guard because it's like especially too, we just lost Keekly. They don't really have a lot of good corners or safeties right now, so he could play all three. That's the crazy thing, right? I mean we have a solid D line, it could be better, sure, but linebacker and safety were like bigger needs, and they just they went with the D line and I was like Man, I was so hurt. But day two, day two got me feeling a little bit better. So, we'll see. Yeah. yeah.
4: Did you guys see an NFL analyst say that Isaiah Simmons plays defense rather than a certain position?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: That that was that was pretty cool. The interview he has. Everywhere, dude. Like, that man's very flexible.
5: I guess you could say.
0: mm mm-hmm.
5: He's like a he's like a Jalen. Mm-hmm. Playing. Ah, that's funny. <laughs>
0: No, but it's true, and he wind, he winds up on the Cardinals too. I think that was a super lucky pick for them because that I, I don't yeah, think they is. even they took they didn't take a lot of time announcing it. It was just like Panthers pick, oh boom, Cardinals pick is in too. It was like the easiest no brainer. Yeah, Cardinals are stacked. Mm-hmm. That was a steal for the Cardinals actually.
3: Yeah, no, it sucks for us. We got to play them two times a year.
0: <laughs> yeah, and got and the guy like Simmons, he can card. Uh, Kittle like at tight end, but he can also guard some receivers. He could play in the run game. Mm. Like he really does a lot. Like I'm just getting more disappointed talking about it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, were there any other surprises from you from another team in the first round of this year's draft?
4: Maybe, maybe the Giants taking offensive tackle at number four.
0: Mm. Yeah, I feel like
4: they, maybe they should have filled the position they really, really needed because. And I don't know if you could tell, but they lost Odell. The only the only threat they have at wide receiver is, like, Sterling Shepard, if he's still there. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Even then, Sterling Shepard's not a
5: top-class receiver. Right. Nah, the biggest surprise is Niners going D-tackle. Mm. Because, like, like yeah, they needed it because the form is But, like, they could have gotten a receiver that could replace um, Emmanuel Sanders that left to the Saints, like CeeDee Lamb. Um, Jerry Judy, but, like, um, I guess they went the tackle. But, like, hey, they still got two good drafts, but, like, that's just the biggest surprise to me.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised that CD fell that far. I mean, he was projected to go – I've seen it different ways. I've seen him going nine. I've seen him falling to us. I've seen the Raiders taking him. But him going to seven to Dallas is – Yeah. No, they're scary. They're <laughs> scary. Oh Yeah,
0: dude. especially because Dak just had a career year. But, I mean, going back to offensive line and, and the defensive line that uh, Kinlaw, that, um, that the 49ers took, it, it's not the sexy pick. Obviously, like, everyone wants a receiver or quarterback versus mm-hmm. a lineman. But, I mean, if you have – you're already – if you're the Giants, you just have Saquon who got hurt last year and then he didn't do a lot compared to his rookie year. Daniel Jones kind of looked eh. But if you put a really good offensive tackle in front of him, it'll change a lot of both of their careers, right? And then, same okay. thing for the 49. I think the 49ers were really good, yes, because of Shanahan and the offense, but their defense was crazy good. Like that defensive line, yeah, all had been solid. Yeah. All they had to do was rush four guys, and everyone else could play coverage. And so, that's a huge luxury. Um, so, you, you went in the trenches. It kind of sounds cliche, but it's still the case. No matter how good your receivers are, how good your quarterback or running back is, if you don't have good linemen to block or potentially sack the quarterback, then you know it's it's gonna be like at the Browns last year they didn't really do much cause they didn't have linemen. No.
4: But I think the Giants front office took the wrong offensive tackle mm-hmm. because I think the guy from the guy from Iowa oh, the best rated defensive tackle in mock drafts. So them taking him instead of the guy from Iowa, I think that's a that's a little iffy. But I still think the linemen the lineman they got will will do bits protecting Daniel Jones and protecting Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> he would do this, I think. Yeah, and what really surprised me, because uh, the Eagles, they were mocked to take uh, what's it, Justin Jeff- Jefferson, right, the guy from LSU. He was mm-hmm. Joe Burrow's favorite target. He already had a, more than 100 wide re- rece- receptions last season. And it seemed like everyone was mocking Jefferson, the Eagles, Jefferson, the Eagles. And they got Jalen Rieger, who was like a short guy, he had a lot of drops at TCU. He seemed like a guy who would be there in the second round, too, kind of similar to the Raiders pick at 19. And I know a lot of Eagles fans. I don't know if you guys know any Eagles fans, but Eagles fans are really pissed. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. So how did you guys feel about do I don't even
5: want to talk about the Eagles right now That
0: since they saw my quarterback. That's true. We can go right next to that. I mean, Jalen Hurts goes to the Eagles. Does that, make, that, makes, that situation make sense for you guys?
5: Nah. I mean,
3: nah. Padilla. What if I told you you guys get Wentz in a trade?
5: I mean, I wouldn't mind. That's a hot, that's a <laughs> hot take. Daily. The one I want. <laughs> I mean, I
3: Wentz. Wentz is already there. We've seen what he does. We know what he can do when he's not hurt. I mean, in the playoffs, all Eagles fans hate Clowney right now for hurting him in the playoffs. But I mean, it, it happens. They didn't. They didn't have Nick Foles when they needed him. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay, so imagine this. Let's say Wentz goes down. Hopefully not, but let's say Wentz goes down and Jalen Hurts comes in, starts doing good. What do you guys think will happen to Carson Wentz? You think he's bye bye, or think you're gonna spot him in? Say they can... nah, he's
5: gonna demand the trade. Same Maybe. thing can happen to Foles.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think if you're the Eagles too, you want to take the younger guy in Hurts, and you want to take the cheaper guy in Hurts. Right? It's all about the money. They just gave Carson Wentz a fat contract, so if they can move him and settle for Hurts, if, you know, he comes out and has a good game, that's a big if, but I I think Mm. you obviously have to go with a cheaper option, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the only reason they didn't go with Nick Foles is because he was already a veteran. He he was going to demand a bigger contract than Carson Wentz, so it didn't make sense to go for Foles, who's older and has less or more experience but not great experience compared to Carson Wentz, you know? Yeah. So anybody... How do you feel about
3: Jordan Love going to
5: Green Bay? Does that make sense? or It makes sense. It makes how, how... sense because, like, that happened with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Because Aaron Rodgers also getting, no you know, they're preparing for the future, you know. Like, what if Aaron Rodgers, like, I hope he doesn't, but like, what if he gets injured this season and, like, Jordan Love gets in he he balls out, you know? He's going to be like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers.
4: Mm-hmm. Him and Patrick Mahomes have similar traits. He has a strong arm. He can move around. And then, I don't know if you guys saw, but
0: it's A-Rod and J-Lo in Green Bay. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) I think it was a good move for them. It's funny how, like, Aaron Rodgers, the same thing that he did to Brett Favre, kind of force him out, is probably going to happen to him. But I think, I mean, in the bigger scheme of things, it's the right thing to do because sometimes teams will hang on. Like, let's, like, take for the Chargers, for example. The Chargers had Phillip Rivers. They never drafted his backup. Now, this year, mm-hmm. if they just stick with Tyrod Taylor, it's probably not going to look so good, right? So, yeah. e- even if it upsets your starter quarterback, whether it's Rodgers or Brady or Rivers, Roethlisberger, you, you want to have that guy of the future because when Brett Favre left Green Bay, it was like, boom, they're winning. They're, they're contending for a Super Bowl again. There was no drop-off. There was no bad seasons. It was like, yeah. Brett Favre, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And Brett Favre, you know, went to play for some other team, so... Sure, it sucks as a fan if you really love that player. I'm sure all the Aaron Rodgers fans hate it. But if Jordan loves, you know, he doesn't start this year, but he starts next year, and the Packers, you know, move on from Rodgers, but they go to a Super Bowl or go to the playoffs at least, I think everyone's going to kind of forget about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: How do you feel about DeAndre Swift being the first running back taken in the NFL draft? Or the second running back, I should say, second running back. I feel like he should have been the
5: first. I want to speak on. Yeah, that. I feel like he should
3: have been the first.
4: I think the guy from Wisconsin should have be been taken first. He's he's a he's a he's a freak in the backfield, yo. Jonathan just, Taylor. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a powerhouse. Kind of reminds me of like Saquon with minus the quads.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> he can move around and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I think he should have been taken first
0: yeah the thing with that's tough with Taylor though is he started all four years at Wisconsin, so you you know running backs don't last too long, so when you see that he, they essentially say tread on the tires right like how many hits has yeah. he taken and if you've taken more hits, chances are you're gonna your body's more banged up versus a guy like Swift, who i I thought should have been the first running back taken too because he could do a little bit of everything. I just mm-hmm. think the the chief's offense doesn't necessarily yeah, they don't need a running back to do everything. They just need a running back to essentially pa- uh, help out in passes and also go out and catch some balls, like short dump-offs from Mahomes. So it just seemed yeah. like a, a pretty good fit for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, yeah. Did anybody fall out of the first round that you guys were really surprised by?
3: Xavier McKinney, mm. easily. For me, maybe. Yeah. Uh, T. Higgins, the wide receiver for Clemson, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Maybe him instead of Jalen Rieger. Yeah. That that makes more sense to me than the original pick.
0: But it's really good for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I mean, now he has like a number one receiver. Yeah. If A.J. Green can't stay healthy.
3: Yeah, you're right. Probably not. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Padilla? Who surprised you that was in the second round that should have gone first? Uh,
5: Jalen Hurts mm. You really I'm like Hurts you, huh man. Yeah, yeah I love Hurts. Hurts I love Jalen Hurts That's my man right there I told you Patriots should have gone 23rd I mean if they didn't trade But right now like we had them like, like I feel like Patriot fan base Would be like calm you know Like oh we don't need a QB It would take a little stress off of um Patriots organization Knowing that they got a QB now But yeah Jalen
0: Hurts for sure we need to get you a Jalen Hurts poster in also, your room.
5: Um, also, um, Tevon Diggs. Yeah. I feel like he should have gone first round. Yeah.
3: When I was looking at, um, one of the last mock drafts that came out, before us trading the 31st with Minnesota, he w- we were supposed to take him. And it's kind of surprising how he fell all the way down to, um, in the 50s 51 mm-hmm. after you know a couple a couple of dbs went
0: mm-hmm. and it was i think like aj terrell going so early to the what was it the falcons that took him early yeah the falcons took early. Mm, yeah and then the raiders taking Demon arnett also the eagles taking Jalen rager those i think those three picks in particular kind of really screwed it up for three guys that should have been in the first round versus those three guys that probably would have been there, at least in the second round in most mock drafts, right? Yeah. I wouldn't
4: say late second round, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. second round, mm-hmm. but I don't think they should have belonged in the mid first round area.
0: That's what's tough too, you know, if you're like Atlanta Falcons and you really like AJ Terrell and you don't have a pick in the second round or you don't have a good pick in the second round where you don't think he's going to be there, it's kind of like, yeah, you're, kind of like leave, you're left in no man's line. You either want to try and trade back or you just have to take that if he's your guy and you're convinced, you got to just take him early and, you know, accept the hate.
4: I was really hoping the Raiders get a second rounder because I've seen a lot of good things about Mayock liking liking Hurts. So I thought maybe since we had – I think we had two third-rounders already, maybe a swap, maybe a third and fourth rounder for a second rounder, mm-hmm. take Jalen Hurts. But then again, the Raiders already have too many QBs on their roster. Yeah. So I didn't see that likely.
0: And I was really surprised that Yeter Grossmatoes was still on the board. He was a guy, too, that was projected as early as, like, 17, 18 to the Cowboys area. And so, the fact that the Panthers got him at 38, that kind of – that really changed my mind on them just because I was, like, pretty stoked that we got a first-round guy early in the second round instead, you know?
2: Yeah. I'm
4: telling you, when the the front office of the Dallas Cowboys saw C.D. Lamb, (sighs) their eyes exploded, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. no doubt, C.D. Lamb. Oh, yeah. Another weapon for Dak Prescott.
3: We'll miss him by three yards, but it's all right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but they have C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, and Michael Gallup. That's a pretty dangerous offense.
3: Let's talk about Patrick Queen. Now the Ravens, I feel like they don't have a hole on their defense anymore. Mm. They they traded Calais Campbell for a fifth-round pick, like, what was Jacksonville doing? I no idea. Patrick Queen does a little bit of everything. A linebacker is something that I feel like they were missing. They were a little, a little weak there. Their corners, their DBs, line, and then the linebackers were a little shaky. But now that you bring in talent like that, I don't know. They make they're making a run. Do you guys know who they have at safety? They just Earl let Earl Thomas.
0: Yeah, Earl Thomas, and they let go of Justin Jefferson, or not Justin Jefferson. Um, oh. Tony Jefferson. Tony Jefferson. They just Tony. let go of him, but I mean they. St- I I forgot who the young guy's name was, but he's really good. Chuck too. Clark. There it is, Clark. Clark and Earl Thomas will hold it down.
4: Mm. Earl Thomas is yeah. an elite safety. I really like how the the
0: way he controls his little zone. He's a beast. Can't believe Seattle got him walk. Mm-hmm. But I think he's I think they're, Earl. I'll just real quick, I was just going to say, I think the Ravens were the best team last year, or at least best offense, with Lamar Jackson. They just played a Titans team that was really good at running the ball. And so, like uh, Jalen said, they get Calais Campbell, they get Patrick Queen, they got another good linebacker today in round three, Malik Harrison from Ohio State. Like, they're all mm. about stopping the run. Because last year they couldn't tackle Derrick Henry. If they were to tackle Derrick Henry, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're winning the Super Bowl, or at least in the AFC Champions I mean, League.
5: who can tackle Derrick Henry? Come on.
0: I know he's man, too he, big. He's a walking tree. I don't know. I playoffs when he turned around. I think Earl Thomas used him as a dunker. Yeah, yeah mm. that was bad. He used him as another yes. blocker. That felt bad. I think Earl Thomas, too, that week he said, oh, I'm not afraid to tackle Derrick Henry, like on a tweet. Yeah. I bet he regrets that. I <laughs> <bad. laughs> Who else? did? What other teams did you really like, the guys that they were able to get in the draft? The Miami Dolphins.
3: Oh, yeah. The Dolphins won the draft in the first round. No doubt
4: they won the draft the
0: first round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty easy. Not easy to do, but it's a little easier when you have three first-round picks, for sure.
2: I
4: think they did their third one. I think they swapped it with something else. I'm not sure.
0: They probably did. did. Let me double. Oh, yeah. Was it Pittsburgh? I think it was the 18th pick. Was
3: it? Oh, it was,
0: they swapped it with Green Bay, but they still picked 30th in the first round. That was their third pick. Uh, okay. So they got Tua Tagovailoa ah, at five. Greenville. We got 18, Austin Jackson from USC. And then they got another hard name to say, Noah Igbon oh, Nan- yeah. Nanji. I don't know how to say that from Auburn, the corner, though.
5: I feel bad for the guy making the jerseys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>
4: They got, they're making Takavailoa, they're making Noah,
0: whatever he's, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to pronounce it wrong <laughs> Yeah, I I tried, I tried to but I butchered that one, I'm pretty sure it was really bad The one
4: else I think they slept on is Michael Pittman mm.
0: Yeah, he. I
4: think he's going to be just like Juju Yeah,
0: they both, they're, they're
4: alike in so many ways I think even him for Jalen Rieger, because I really I don't like the way Jalen Rieger drops so many passes Mm-hmm. If you really work with Michael Pittman, turn him into Juju. Uh, who
0: is it? The Eagles have a great weapon for Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. No, I know. But the, he he wound up on the Colts, too. And I think uh, what's Michael Pittman Jr. will do a really nice job on the Colts. Whoever – whether it's – well, it's probably going to be Rivers this year. But if it's Brissett or whoever is in the future, they're going to really like Michael Pittman. I think he could be – he's probably my sleeper for rookie of the year next season. Ooh, really? Offense rookie, yeah, I think so.
3: Damn. Why do you think Baltimore took uh, J.K. Dobbins late in the second round?
0: I don't really think
4: they need a running back at this point. So they've seen J.K. Dobbins still on the board. I mean, you can't – excuse me. can't really pass on J.K. Dobbins. He's he's honestly one of the great – one of the best running backs in this class. So I think getting passed on that – sort of late is they, they no doubt are take him
0: yeah yeah and I think it, it sucks to say but like I said it's it's a business right so if you can get a younger guy that's better Mark Ingram costs a lot for them because he's not a rookie anymore so yeah I hope they don't cut Mark Ingram because I really like Mark Ingram on that team but I'll tell J- you. JK Dobbins is pretty similar to Mark Ingram in style like they're both power runners. Uh, I think they fit that offense pretty well. And it's like, are you going to give one guy 10 and the other guy 12? Or, you know, can you just give it the main guy 20? So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Mark Ingram because he does cost them a lot of money. And if you can use that money somewhere else. But that's kind of like what I think is going to happen if they're probably going to release Mark Ingram and then just go with the cheaper option in Dobbins.
4: What else I think is going to happen is the Patriots really lack uh, sort of, mid-caliber slash high-caliber quarterback so maybe if maybe maybe they release julian edelman and probably
5: pick oh no don't even Mm -hmm. no uh -uh, no no (laughs) don't even don't even say it no no i just think he's the only loyal one left (laughs) gronk didn't want to play with you guys no more bro got home gronk Gronk broke my heart
0: both of them broke your heart huh he was like I don't retire. He didn't want to retire from football. He just wanted to retire from the Patriots. And just wait for Brady.
5: Yeah, no, like man. But season. if Julian Edelman leaves, I- I'm done. You know, I'm not watching football that whole season.
4: <laughs> Las Vegas needs some new
5: fans. We just right. <laughs> nah. Y'all need
3: fans in general. Okay.
0: <laughs> so Padilla. Yo. So, Padilla, since you're the only Patriots fan here, would you rather have Cam Newton play quarterback for you guys? Would you rather have Jameis Winston play quarterback for you guys next year? Or stick with the guy that they have and Jarrett Stidham?
5: Cam Newton, no cap. Cam Newton has Super Bowl experience, playoff experience. He just has experience, like, overall, you know? And, like, he's just dangerous, too. Like, he can run, he can throw, he's big. Like, he can just do anything also. I don't want I don't want Patriots needing interception with James Winston, you know?
3: Yeah. He had 30 touchdowns. Don't sleep.
5: <laughs> and he got the eye surgery. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to see now. He got the eye surgery, but Brady's replacing him. Come on.
0: Now, going to where Brady ended up, what do you guys think about Tampa Bay? Do you guys think the Super Bowl bound, playoff bound, or not going to even make the playoffs? They I are feel like
5: dangerous. playoff bound. I feel like playoff bound because, like, like look at the Browns, they thought they were going Super Bowl, but you know they didn't even make it to the playoffs. But I don't know, cause also they have like a good a good QB, you know. Maybe 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 Super Bowl, but I'm just saying playoffs right now. Okay, what
0: about you, Jalen? Yeah, maybe I am in
3: love with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm gonna be honest. They bandwagon. Have... No, I can't be a bandwagon. I'm a Niners fan. You know they're in the same I division. Have... Or you know. I can't... But if I were to, if I were to, like, pick a favorite for the NFC this year, it's definitely the Tampa Bay Bucs. Mm-hmm. They're the only offense that can keep up with the Chiefs. Then, then their defense is only going to get better. Shaquille Barrett should have won defensive Player of the year. Mm. Sorry, Padilla, but, you
5: know. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, bro. Stephon oh, – you can't <laughs> go wrong with Stefan Gilmore. Come on. Both good options.
4: I think by the time Tom Brady's second year with the Bucks comes around, maybe Super Bowl bound. But I think this year they're going to need to sort of like adapt, I guess. So maybe I think playoff contention
2: for sure this year.
4: But next year, I think Super Bowl, Super Bowl bound maybe for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's tough too because they. They play in a tough conference, at least – or a tough division. The Saints are still going to be good. Falcons are probably not a playoff team anymore, but they'll be like a 7-9, 8-8 eight eight team, 9-7. Panthers are probably a mm-hmm. 6-7 win team next Panthers? year. Panthers? Yeah, they're probably like a 6-7 win team next year.
3: <laughs> but, Is McCaffrey just carrying that those six games? Yeah, like yeah probably.
0: He's winning them five for sure. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know, Tom Brady – like. We all think he's good. We all remember has him this great quarterback, but he's 43. He has to learn a new offense. I, I think his receivers are really good, like Mike Evans and Marquise Goodwin. Best receivers he's ever played with, no doubt. Um, and they got Gronkowski back. He doesn't even have to be the main guy. They still have O.J. Howard, I think. So, they have. yeah, he probably has his best weapons, but I don't know. I feel like if he takes one or two hard sacks, it's going to be a wrap for him because he's so old, you know?
5: So it's gonna be but Randy Moss retired
0: kind of later
5: too. Mm. Randy Moss kind of retired at the old age too, and he was a receiver, and he still did well.
0: That's true, yeah. That, he'd be the man to prove me wrong, Tom Brady. But I don't yeah. know, I just I don't want to see it.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: Nobody wants
0: to see him win. Mm-hmm. It would be I cool. Do. Yeah, <laughs> you're still you're still yeah. Tom Brady. You're still Tom still Brady, a Tom fan,
5: Brady fan, yeah. I'm,
3: I'm you have for to. Sure. He's your franchise,
0: yeah. <laughs> Would you be happy if they won a Super Bowl then, the Buccaneers? I, I mean,
5: mean <laughs> I mean, like, like no, but yeah, because like they got two of my favorite players, two of the best players in in the New England like history. But like you know, it is what it is. You know, it is. What it is. Gotta get another team a chance, like the Panthers or Raiders.
0: Ah, no, we already had our chance. I we blew it.
3: it. <laughs> yeah, you <he> definitely did. <laughs> Freaking. Hey,
0: Jelly, you shouldn't be talking. Yeah, you guys blew it, too.
3: First of all, first of all, <laughs> Tyree feels too fast to be guarded by Sherman, okay? Yeah. So is Sammy Watkins. So is Travis Kelsey.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: There's this thing called safeties.
5: Mm-hmm, true.
3: That's why we're getting Jamal
0: Adams. Hey, oh, how, we, how are you guys doing that? <laughs> what? Alright
3: I've heard a lot of trade rumors I've heard we might get Trent Brown Because Joe Staley is still debating To play or not mm-hmm. I've heard OJ Howard trades I've heard um, Evan Ingram trades mm. And then Jamal Adams trade is more of a Please you know like I would really Want Jamal Adams
5: Jamal yeah. is their safety in the NFL right now Oh no doubt nah. Nah, I don't he,
3: know
0: Who else you got Nico, on top of him minka okay minka but i feel like oh. he's he's like like a really close number two it's like photo line finish really close number two is tyron matthew nah he's i really nah. like tyron matthew but he's, he's like five though he's like yeah five maybe six he's a little older maybe in his prime not i don't say he's out of his prime but you know he's a little older now
3: yeah yeah only reason that i feel like we wouldn't trade for jamal Adams is because we just paid you tart um some good money, and he turned down an offer for more money from the Raiders to just come back and play with us. And I really, Yay. really like that. When we, uh, when we drafted Javon Kinlaw at thir- uh, 14, um, I really did think that we were going to get a, a splash trade with our last first-round pick because Odell seemed very frustrated in Cleveland. and
0: mm.
3: You know, we need a receiver, so why not get an elite one?
0: Yeah, Odell on a one-year rental for San Francisco would be crazy. Kyle Shanahan would have him go nuts. Yeah. He's
3: just an upgraded Debo, that's all.
0: Mm-hmm. No, but I think OBJ has to be, like, the un- unhappiest number one wide receiver in the NFL because he's just played with bad team after bad team.
5: Yeah. There's no yeah, success. Yeah, that's what why, why pitchers are going
0: to get them. Ooh, I'd like Y'all, to see that. But you guys don't have a quarterback either now.
3: Exactly. Who's going to throw to him?
5: Nah, look, look. Um, nah, I heard that Jalen Hurts got traded. That's said, like,
0: Nah, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's spreading fake news. <laughs> but do you think they'll ever do a virtual draft again? Or as soon as the COVID-19 clears up and it's safe for everyone to come back, you think they're just going to go back to in-person drafts?
5: They're going go back to in-person. Yeah, in-person is like. For sure. Because that's like the tradition they've been having, mm-hmm. and they were going to do it, but like you know COVID 19, so they had to do like like online, but that's a tradition, even the the commissioner said that he he misses like giving them hugs, you know, like talking to them, taking a picture with them, and I don't think the commissioner is going to want to do the online thing again because he wants to interact with the players. you
0: mm-hmm. got tired of it. He was sitting on his couch for a third round I think. You saw that too. I'm glad you saw that.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> he was like in a big comfy couch and he was like He was messing up like a bunch of things. He was like pick 10. Oh, I mean, pick 98. Uh
3: <laughs> <laughs> He spoiled he spoiled uh Miami's second pick, I think.
0: Oh when yeah. They, when they
3: drafted Austin Jackson, he was like this is good news for Tua. Yeah. Um, like, oh. Okay.
0: Yeah, he's kind of a weird guy. They needed to get him some more coffee at the end of day, day two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is a cool fan experience, too. I don't know if you guys will ever want to go when you're older, but I haven't been to one, but I would always like to go to an NFL draft in person, too. So I hope they do continue them just so you can see, like, so I get to see, like, what it's like with all the different fans there and whatever city they have it because they try and change cities now. Yeah. yeah. But, like,
5: I don't understand why we got a tight end back-to-back in round three.
0: You don't like the tight end picks?
5: Like, I understand we need a tight end, but I don't know why we got two. We could have gotten a QB instead of Dalton Keen. which, like, I have no disrespect, but, like, we could have gotten a QB instead of another tight end because we already got one from UCLA, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm trusting Belichick right now. I'm trusting him. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but i am well, trusting. Who knows maybe he's
4: trying to fill the hole of Rob
5: Gronkowski. But I'm also thinking, like, what if we just, like, go bad this season and then first pick we'll get Trevor Lawrence.
0: Mm, that's true. And then he has all these good tight ends to the to now. But then again,
4: yeah. that is because Trevor Lawrence is only going to be a junior next year, if I'm not
0: mistaken.
3: If you're projected to be number one, you're going to declare.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. But that's the thing too, though, is if there's no, let's say they don't play college football because of COVID-19 and it's not better by that time, it's a big if. Do you think that you can have? Let's say, do you think you can have college football games without fans? You can't uh, have
3: any sports no. without fans. No, they
4: can't because there's the roster's consisted of like, like what, sixty, seventy people. Mm-hmm. So all that people on the sideline is just a big cloud of COVID building mm-hmm. up. So maybe, yeah, that's not – I don't think they'll play it.
0: So if Trevor Lawrence doesn't even get a play next season, who's to say that he might even get to declare because – it, I don't know. I think that COVID-19 could really, like, screw up some – not only college stuff or pro stuff, and then even you guys at high school, it's going to, like, really mess up some years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. But we'll see how it goes out. Yeah, just gotta keep a positive mindset, hopefully the best.
5: The challenge you have to face.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: But aside, right, I like challenges aside.
0: Right. There you go. Are there any other names that haven't gotten called in the draft that you guys really like that will get called in day three? Jake from. Jake From. Yeah, probably Jake. Hey, both of you guys like Jake, Jake From. And
5: huh? I forgot that that other quarterback's name. What's his name? From I forgot his name.
0: Uh, Isom. Yeah, yeah him, him,
5: him. oh yeah,
4: Jacob, Jacob. Yeah. Hmm. I haven't heard much things about him though, so I can't really say whether he's gonna go tomorrow or not. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he is. Hopefully he does, cause well, yeah, it's a huge blessing to be drafted. So hopefully he
5: gets drafted.
0: Yeah, we'll see where the other quarterbacks end up too. There's still a few sleepers out there potentially.
5: It's cause th- this year's just receivers. The top, the top four or five QBs and like corners. Mm-hmm. There's not really running backs also that got drafted.
0: Oh yeah, the running back yeah, backs kind of thin. Very few. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing you'll see too. Like every draft has its own strengths and weaknesses. Like for sure, everyone's been hyping up the receivers, the receivers, the receivers this year. And there were some pretty good corners and secondaries too, toward or corners and safeties towards the top too.
3: Yeah, but there's nobody in the backfield.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's why the 49ers took Kinlaw, too, is because it's not a really good D-line class either on, like, the – on defensive and or defensive tackle. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's probably no one really good after the third round for a defensive tackle. So, it makes sense to take Kinlaw mm-hmm. if you really believe he's your guy. Yeah. Coach, so, guys, who do you think is the top five in this class? Top
5: five? Chase yeah. Young. Yeah, I'd go chase Chase, Young. chase Young, Burrow, um, Burrow.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna so sneak, what? I'm gonna sneak in Jared Judy. Ah, uh,
3: yes, I like Judy, I
0: like Judy. Who do we say Tua? And then oh, and Akuda, you have to put Akuda. No, Akuda. Akuda or S- Akuda. Akuda yeah. or Simmons actually. Oh no,
5: Akuda, like Simmons.
0: yeah. Simmons. I'd actually, I'm gonna take off. Judy, and put in Simmons, just because you got to put Simmons. Yeah. In I'm going to take off Tua and put in Simmons. Ooh, okay. You're taking two
5: out of the top five? No, no, I'm taking Burrow. And I'm, <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm, oh, I'm taking oh. out Burrow, and I'm putting in Tua and Simmons. Mm-hmm. I feel like Burrow is over is overrated. He's good, but I don't know. He's, he gave me that look when I saw him. He gave Burrow, me that you look.
2: Think, oh, you think Burrow's
4: overrated? A little bit. He puts the cigar in his mouth, that's the moment. Burrow?
5: there's a
3: winner. Yeah. Bro is not gonna lose.
0: I mean, he'll probably lose season one because the Bengals are pretty trash right now. But
3: oh yeah, but he's going to win them. I say five games are won by the Bengals this year.
0: Mm. Yeah, Mostly at least because
5: no, I'm saying I'm saying seven. Not I'm saying minimum seven.
0: They're gonna be like a competitive team, but because the team is bad around him, they'll lose like close games. But he'll always like keep them in it you know what i mean they'll lose like 24 23 24 21 on a like a last second field goal you know
3: yeah how do you think big ben's gonna do this year
0: Oh, i think he's uh, done
3: oh you think so
0: yeah if i'm this if i'm the steelers i want to see him pick a quarterback
3: yeah yeah if the Bengals, and this is a big if Their O-line is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. If they can get their O-line strong and set and just solid enough to hold for four seconds, I think they sneak in as a wild card. I'm just like – because if Odell leaves, that leaves the Browns a little open. They're Mm -hmm. more of a running team. Nick Chubb, top three running back in the NFL right now.
5: Ooh, okay. You guys are saying Odell, 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 but you guys are sleeping like Jarvis Laundry. Come on. Yeah, true. Padilla, pretty oh. Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry, had on. a good
3: year because Odell's being shadowed by the best corner. That's why Juju did good last year. Mm-hmm. Or two years ago.
5: It's because he also didn't have a cute, good QB. Yeah.
3: Hey, right, don't disrespect Duck. He's got a strong head. <laughs> Duck
0: Hodges. <laughs> With his made-up name. Mm. no but i, I think that baltimore ravens are for sure winning the afc north and then yeah there's yeah, a not
3: there, see anything changing
0: maybe maybe year two Bengals make a wild card i just i feel it like it's really tough right now for them to make the wild card this season because i think mm. the browns still are better than them steelers eh? their defense is pretty good this year with fitzpatrick and all those guys too so We'll see. I think I think even the Steelers are still slightly better, so I don't know.
3: Yeah. Can we just appreciate that the NFC East is actually getting stronger?
0: Oh yeah. Goodness yeah. gracious. And this the
3: is interesting now.
0: And Washington's gonna be pretty nasty with Chase Young. They got the new head coach, Ron Rivera. He um you know yeah. what he's about. He kind of turned Carolina around. And they have a lot of other good – they have Ryan Kerrigan still. They got Montez Sweat last year in the first round. They have a mm-hmm. really good – McLaren,
5: I forgot his first name, the receiver. Terry McLaren, I,
0: Terry. Think I believe it is. Yeah, scary
5: Terry. i his... 17. Yeah.
0: So, him, Dwayne Haskins. They need an offensive line too, though. Like, they're, they're pretty bad compared to, like, the Bengals offensive line. Last year was the Bengals O-line, Redskins O-line, and the Dolphins O-line. That was, like, trash.
4: Wait, hold up. Ron Rivera is calling me real quick.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just okay. Fine. okay, Joseph.
4: And but it's gonna get even worse though because Trent Williams is forcing his way out of Washington, so that's only gonna make it uh, weaker for Dwayne Haskins because left tackle is the most paid position on the football field.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: When you leave the when you so when a guy like Tr- Trent Williams
0: leaves, that's a that's a big hole you have – that's a big shoe you have to fill. Mm-hmm.
3: He's coming to the Niners.
0: Oh, that'd be scary. You guys don't even need a left tackle, though.
3: Yeah, we do. If Staley retires, then
0: – Oh, yeah. That's a big if. If.
3: Oh, yeah. Even if he does, well, they don't need
5: anyone. They got everyone they need. We're only getting one year out of them. True.
3: I feel like everybody is gonna sleep on the Denver Broncos this year in the AFC West, but they're gonna turn some heads,
0: dude. They're gonna be, yeah.
3: they're, gonna be they're gonna be so good. nice. They got Melvin Gordon, they got AJ Boye, and they got Drew Casey in just a couple of wait. They have AJ Boye? Weeks.
0: Yeah, they, they have AJ Boye. Yeah, yeah. For a bag of chips. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They,
3: they got and the they best got, backup uh, in the game, Jeff Driscoll. Y'all are asleep. No,
0: he's trash. Come on.
3: Jeff Driscoll is my man.
0: <laughs> no, but they got Jared Judy in the first round, right? Yeah. Like, man, that dude's a soft – like that it's crazy that he fell that far. I had no I had no intention that he was gonna fall that far whatsoever. I
3: thought Ruggs was gonna go last. I thought you I thought the Raiders were gonna take Judy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I already knew
5: Ruggs was going first. Nah.
3: I wasn't it's that big on
5: Ruggs. Have you seen Ruggs' speed and his hands? Like he's a small player, but his hands and speed, like just that's all you need when you're a receiver. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Good point.
4: The AFC West, the AFC in general, just got stronger this year, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. They did. Cause Cause he, yeah, but because you know. everyone I'm but the West. Chargers got better.
5: Oh, uh, Chargers! They get better. Chargers got um Justin Herbert. Uh, what was they get? Yeah. Yeah, but I,
0: don't, I don't know if he's better than Phillip Rivers He'll probably be a little worse this year In
4: my opinion, as a Raiders fan I wouldn't want to say this But my AFC West picture this year I'm sorry to say But the Chargers will come in fourth mm. The Raiders will come in third And the Broncos and Chiefs will fight And will compete for the number one and number For the number one, yeah
5: mm-hmm. No, nah, I feel like Chiefs are going to get it easy well, not easy, but, like, they're going to slide in, you know, like, like just like last year.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, it also didn't help that Mahomes was hurt
5: for five or five games, right, six games, something like that.
0: Four or five, yeah. And the
3: Chiefs something, still went
5: to the playoffs and Super Bowl. And yeah. They
3: and they won. But so it's like, they're not terrible. Right. They nah. are still fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, not at all. They're still really great. But and now, they didn't lose anyone. Where does the
3: NFC West fall? Talk about Mm -hmm. my division for a second.
5: Okay. um, I feel like it's going to be Niners. But Niners are going to have to fight hard. And I feel like it's going to be the Cardinals. Oh, not the Seahawks? The Seahawks going third and then the Rams fourth. That's that's my prediction. Wow. I don't know. Cardinals, they be looking scary.
3: I trust Russ, though. You're going to trust a, a second-year Kyler Murray?
5: Yes, True. I trust on Kyler Murray.
3: I'm going to yeah. trust a veteran Super Bowl champion. That All right, the Seahawks this year were not expected to be this good. I'm just going right. to be honest. Yeah. For them to go th- that far and, like, really put out the fight. I was, I was scared. I thought we were going to come in second. We weren't going to get <laughs> home co- or home field. I was a little scared, but it came out fine. And you know,
0: yeah, Ru- Russell Wilson <laughs> almost always finds a way to like win. I, I feel like after he started dating Sierra, or even before he started dating <laughs> Sierra, he's just been like this magic man.
3: Okay, so, is, the is, is Sierra, the
4: question is, how long can uh, Russell Wilson be avoiding all those D linemen coming at him?
2: Mm, good
3: point. Two, you know, he's got DK now, DK and Tyler Lockett. On the downside, only problem I see is Chris Carson cannot hold on to the
5: football. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know why the Seahawks didn't go running back. Wait, did they? No, I don't
0: think so. No, nah, I don't think so. I'll double check, but I didn't see them take a running back.
3: Are they? Are they trusting Rashad Penny to like be the next guy too? Because
0: the one they, thing they really
3: I... trust them for some reason.
0: Yeah, the one thing I've learned with. Uh, what's his name? Pete Carroll as the head coach and the other guy as their GM is like sometimes they do wacky things but I don't know like Richard Sherman worked out for them. Obviously Cam Chancellor. Like all those guys when they came out of college they were like who the hell are those guys? But they found mm-hmm. ways to make them stars. So they always do weird stuff but find a way to make it work and I don't know. So sometimes it's kind of like Bilicek like with uh, Padilla. You just got to have faith in Pete Carroll that Whoever these no names that they get, they're gonna turn into like pro bowlers by two years, you know. Jared
4: yeah. Stidham, Pro Bowl. I mean, Super Bowl MVP in four years. Yeah,
0: like a Malcolm <laughs> Smith or Bobby Wagner. Never mind.
4: I said the I said the Raiders are gonna be the Super Bowl champs in four years. Scratch that. But Jared Stidham, Super Bowl MVP, five years. Oh, Jared
5: okay. Stidham. Jared Stidham. Yeah. Hot wow. Team. Okay. Uh, I feel oh. like I feel I feel. Like, he's good. Like, he made it to the league. You know, he's good. But and he's mentored by know. Brady. I don't know. You the know. last
3: two guys mentored by Brady are Jimmy. Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo
5: went to the Super Bowl. And he was behind Brady, so I don't know. It happened. Mm-hmm. He's got. He's
3: got uh, three rings. So
5: you know, he's got experience. He got yeah. three rings without stepping on the field. He yep. actually
3: won you guys four games or three games.
5: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. <laughs> And I have no disrespect for him, you know. Like I, I, I love Jimmy Garoppolo, you know. But, you know, I. It's just a point where you wish he was still there, you know.
0: Oh yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Him or even Jacoby Brissett would have been nice too.
5: I Jacoby Brissett would have been good too.
0: Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't great, but I think he could be like a really solid quarterback. Yeah,
3: he's like a. He reminds me of a poor man's Russell Wilson. If I'm being honest, I've seen him. Mm. I've I've watched him like sit in the pocket. And then all of a sudden, like, run and then just get, like, an ugly four yards.
2: Mm-hmm. Because, you know, <laughs>
3: like, oh, I could probably make that 15-yard throw downfield, but I'll just take my safe yardage. Like, well, yeah. you're not going to win just being safe. Great right. quarterbacks throw interceptions. Peyton Manning holds the single-season picks as a rookie. Right. Or Isn't it all-time? Oh, no, it's not all-time.
0: For rookie. A rookie.
2: Yeah.
3: No, and, I think yeah. I think he's Jameis Winston.
0: Bad. I think Jameis Winston broke it with 30 interceptions.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah, this year.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Freaking Jameis Winston.
5: I don't know if you guys will agree on me on this, but um for twenty twenty NFL, the league's receiving yard, um, number one will be Kenny Galladay.
0: Ooh, you like Kenny Galladay?
3: Yes, that's a bold I, I don't think he's gonna get yards. I think he's gonna be number one in touchdowns.
0: Mm. You're gonna have both. Ah, uh,
3: okay. Yards
4: <laughs> for yards, my I'm probably gonna lean towards Keenan Allen.
3: Hmm. Oh, with Tyrod Taylor, don't With Justin Herbert,
4: yeah, I think so. I think I think maybe Herbert will get the lean, maybe an, an inch over Tyrod for the starting position. And okay. Herbert, I think Herbert's gonna ball out this year. Herbert's gonna destroy the league possibly be the offensive rookie of the year since we know it could be biased. And, yeah, I think he's just going to ball out. Or Keenan Allen, his top target, maybe Hunter Henry. But I think Keenan Allen will get receiving yards this year.
0: I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to lead the league in receptions this year with Kyler Murray in the offense in Arizona.
4: Yeah. 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 How about rushing yards?
3: Rushing yards.
4: Christian
5: McCaffrey. Uh, no. Yes. No. Saquon. Yes.
3: No. <laughs> no. Saquon, easily.
5: Saquon. They just got a new offensive tackle, so, you know. Mm-hmm. It's
3: not his fault he, he was hurt. That, the game he got hurt, he had, like, 90 yards in the first quarter total. Yeah. So, it's not like – he was already doing all this with a bad offensive line just for them to get better. I mean, look, at, come on.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna no, I'm gonna throw a hot take. I'm gonna say it's Nick Chubb. I am think Nick Chubb leads the league in rushing yards next year.
5: Oh, I mean
3: I like that if Odell gets traded.
5: Because if mm. Odell doesn't
3: get traded, he's still gonna they're still gonna throw the ball. what you with Odell getting
2: traded? <laughs> he not
3: want going
5: to the Niners. He's not going to I mean, the
3: Niners. I'm just saying anywhere. Like Odell doesn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. He doesn't like, like Baker Mayfield. I wouldn't like a guy that goes Las Vegas. Are you
5: tripping?
3: Are you going to give up? Nobody wants anything from the Raiders. <laughs> Besides your picks. That's, That's true.
0: I think dream scenario, I want to see him in Houston with Deshaun Watson. I think they'd be dope together.
5: Uh, yeah, for replacement. I feel like I feel like just give him one more year and then when Tua has when Tua has um like experience, he should go to Miami cuz they don't have that much
0: receivers also. Yeah, that'd be crazy too. That'd be nice. I mean scenario.
3: Odell or not Odell, um Devontae Parker had a career season, I think he
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Devontae cause...
5: Parker but that's all that's all they really have.
0: hmm What's your dream scenario, Joseph?
5: Dream scenario Odell will
4: go to LA with Justin Herbert.
0: Ooh, the Chargers and Keenan Allen, and that'd be Chargers? nice.
4: That would be nice. And the tight end himself.
0: Yeah. Henry, Hunter Henry. Sheesh. What if Odeo Ode went to the Panthers? Scenario would be that. I, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he'd be nice on the Panthers for sure, but I don't, like Teddy Bridgewater is not like a a throw a lot kind of quarterback. So What do you
3: mean? He can't all right, listen.
0: Nah. Five, five, the Saints
3: made the playoffs because of Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Right, yes, true. true. That is true. But I felt like – Sean, like Sean Payton's like probably like if not the best, he's like the second best play caller in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? It's it's Kyle Shanahan and then Sean oh, yeah. Payton. So, so like, I don't want to say anyone could succeed with Sean Payton, but I think like when when Drew Brees he just got knows hurt, what he's doing. exactly, he's like he you know he could do it with Drew Brees, but he can also do it with Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm sure he could do it with, like Derek Carr if he had to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh
3: Derek yeah. Carr shots. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs>
0: Boom, Noah Alvarez, back here on the My Mike and I podcast, just to wrap things up for episode 103. Thanks for tuning in to another episode, guys. Reminder: you can find this podcast on Apple, on Spotify, on po- um, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on TuneIn practically every podcast listening platform and if you're listening on Apple Podcast Apple 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 you know what I'm saying if you're listening on Apple Podcasts be sure to leave a rating and a review and just tell the people what you like about the show. It could be very episode specific or it could just be in broad general would really appreciate that guys. Also you know if you're not listening on Apple be sure to just shoot um shoot the link of the most recent show or the show that you like the most to a friend fa- a friend a family member a classmate an ex-girlfriend you never know just spread the word of the podcast i really appreciate that don't forget to follow them on mike and i instagram page at my period mike and period i you can also follow me on twitter at underscore noah alvarez and don't forget to check out lockerroomsportsca.com where i get my writing on as well as max carl we started this sports website if you're looking to be a part of it too be sure to hit me up sign in those dms or into locker room ca on twitter's dms and yeah we're just looking to add some great writers and get some great sports content out there nonetheless guys really appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of the my and i podcast this is noah alvarez signing off till next time